Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Many of you were not able to make it yesterday because of the floods. <laughs> but we continued. Mashallah, actually, I was quite surprised actually how many of you actually made it despite the floods. So we are actually, we read Surah Hud and we are on verse 50. We read Surah Hud and we are on verse number 50 of Surah Hud, which is in fact actually where Allah SWT is going to talk about Sayyidina Hud Islam. And it's verse, precisely verses 50 to 60, where the story of the community of Sayyidina Hud Islam is mentioned and after which the entire surah has been named. And Allah was actually previously talking about the different prophets that he had sent to different people. And now Allah uh, earlier in the surah, Allah SWT mentioned why Anbiya were sent. Then the second thing Allah SWT done in the surah was the story of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. That was from verses 25 to 49. And now from verses 50, so 1 to 24 was generally mentioning why prophets are sent and how people respond to the prophets. Verses 25 to 49, we're talking about the story of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. And from 50 onwards, 50 to 60, we're going to be doing the story of Sayyidina Hud alayhi salam. So Allah SWT says that we sent to the community of Ad, we sent their brother, again I explain this to you, that brother means that we sent a prophet from amongst them, they're from their brethren, from their fellow person, their fellow, their associate, Sayyidina Hud al-Islam. Call what did Sayyidina Hud al-Islam say? He said the same thing that all the previous prophets said, and we've done this actually several times before in Quran al-Kareem. Ya that oh my community, oh my people, you should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you should know that there is no, you have no deity, you have no God other than Him. And in antum illa muftarun, you're only making up lies about all the other things that you believe about. Oh my community, I do not ask from you any reward, any compensation. Why? Because in ajriya illa Allah, fatarani, that indeed my sawab and my reward is only on that being who created me. Fala taqilun, afala taqilun, that can you not become people who reason, are you not people who understand? And on all my people you should seek forgiveness from your Rabb. And you should and you should turn to your Rabb in repentance. That Allah SWT will send down for you rain in abundance from the skies. And and Allah SWT is going to give you extra strength and Allah SWT will add strength to the strength that you already have. So therefore don't turn away from this call, don't spurn my call, otherwise you will turn back nothing other than mujrimin, as wrongdoers, as criminals, as sinful people. So they responded to Sayyidina Hud Ya Hud, O Hud, Ma jittana bibayinatin that you have not brought any clear evidence, any clear and crystal proof. And we are not going to make ourselves people. We are not people who leave and forsake our false gods. Just on the basis of your word alone. And nor are we going to be people who will be believers in you. Okay, so all we have to say all we can say to you, in Nakulu, all we have to say, all that we may say, 
that indeed that one of our gods must have cast some spell on you. What they literally mean is one of our gods must have done some evil on you. So they thought that Hudlaysam was possessed or punished by one of their gods. And therefore he was raving like a madman due to some punishment or evil one of their own gods had afflicted him with. Right? So this is the end of their statement. Qala Sayyidina Hud then he responds to them. Inni Ushadullah that I call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala witness to witness. Wa ashadu anni bari'um bima tushrikun and I call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to witness and then that you too, all of you should also be my witness, that I am completely exonerated and absolved and I disown all of the things that you ascribe as partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and especially I exonerate myself from this claim that one of your false gods has somehow afflicted, with me, afflicted me with some evil and that is why I'm speaking. Mindunihi, I mimma tushukuna mindunihi that all of the things that you ascribe to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mindunihi other than him faqiduni jami'a Allahu Akbar that all of you should plot against me let all of you conspire and take action against me and I want all of you not to give me any respite, any muhlat, any reprieve, don't give me any quarter. Inni tawakkal to Allah. Indeed, I put all my trust and faith and dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabbi, that Allah who is my Lord, wa rabbikum, and that same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is also your Lord. Ma min dabatin illa huwa akhidhum binasiyatiha That there is no creature that walks the face of this earth except literally that it literally means that Allah Ta'ala grabs them by their forehead. Some would translate it, Allah Ta'ala grabs them by their forelock. But it means that there is no creature on this face of this earth other than Allah, they are completely in the control and grasp of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're completely in the control and grasp of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna rabbi ala sirat mustaqim And indeed, my Rabb is on the sirat mustaqim Now, this is something new you have here. Sirat mustaqim has up till now been something that is referred to a path upon which human beings are. The Nabiin, Siddiqin, Shuhadam, Salihin. And here Sayyidina Ahud is saying, Inna rabbi ala sirat mustaqim that indeed my rub is on the straight path. So what it means here is that indeed my rub is to be found upon the straight path. Indeed the path to my rub lies in taking the straight path. Obviously Sirat al-Mustaqim is something that leads to Allah subhanahu wa So the literal translation, and some people may translate it literally, that indeed my rub is upon the straight path, it doesn't mean like that. Allah subhanahu is far beyond needing a path to be on, however straight or however guided it may be. It means that my Rabb is to be found and he exists, the way to him exists by following the straight path. This is why he says, فَإِن تَوَلَّوا But however, if you turn away, as if you turn away from the straight path, if you turn away from my Rabb and the straight path that leads to him, فَإِن تَوَلَّوا فَكَنْ أَبْلَغْتُكُمْ مَا أُرْسُمْتُ بِهِ إِلَيْكُمْ Well, then, indeed, I have certainly conveyed the message with which I was sent to deliver to you. So I have done my job to you. Now it's up to you whether you wish to turn away from my Rabb. And then if you turn away, then my Rabb will substitute another people. He will place another people in your place. And those, and then you will not be able to, you cannot harm Allah SWT in any way, shay'a, in the slightest, in any way whatsoever. Inna Rabbi ala kulli shay'in hafeez. Indeed, my Rabb is 
aware and is safeguarding and is protecting each and every single thing. What does it mean to Allah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a hafiz on everything. It doesn't literally mean every single thing, obviously. There are certain things in this universe, specifically those who don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who put themselves outside of his faza. What he's saying here is that those things that are inside Allah Ta'ala's hifazah, all my people, if you choose to disbelieve in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, your disbelief will not be able to harm Allah Ta'ala at all. You will not be able to touch any of Allah Ta'ala's decrees at all. You will not be able to touch Allah Ta'ala's people at all. And he's including obviously himself and his righteous followers and mu'mineen and sahaba in this. And we saw that earlier, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He sent His punishment on the community of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam, He says that He gave them najat, He protected them, He was their hafiz by putting them and all of His, all of his followers and believers onto the boat. Alright, so this is what Sayyidina Hud alayhi salam is saying. Another way you can say that inna rabbi ala kulli shayhin hafiz is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's awareness of everything is so intense that he is a hafiz. You can take hafiz to also, second way you can take in Arabic is it's an intensive of the word hafiz. So it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's awareness of everything is so intense that he is all, his awareness is all encompassing and he is all knowing and cognizant. Maybe you can think in that he is cognizant and aware of every single thing. وَلَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرُنَا نَجَيْنَا هُدَى So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala speaking, and then when our command and our decree came, when our judgment came to pass, which means the judgment and decree and command of the punishment of this community of Sayyidina Hud alayhi that we saved Sayyidina Hud and those who believed with him, i.e. his sahaba, بِرَحْمَةٍ minna, due to a mercy from us. This is also an ishara here, that nobody is deserving of anything. Allah Ta'ala didn't say that we saved them because of their iman, because of their loyalty, because of their sidq, because of their truth. Allah Subhanahu says we saved our Prophet even just out of our mercy. Allahu Akbar. That means that even anbiya and their sahaba need the rahmah of Allah Subhanahu the mercy of Allah Subhanahu And we had mentioned earlier, We have mentioned earlier uh, that in Tunes the words of Sir that Sayyidina Rasulullah he said a hadith, the same thing, that no one will enter Jannah except by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when the Sahaba asked him, even you, he said, Yes, even me. Right? So it means even the Anbiya are in needy. This is part of what it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-ghani. He and he alone is independent and is beyond need. Every other member of creation, even the most noble and greatest creation, which are the Anbiya, and the second greatest creation are the Siddiqeen, Sahaba of those Anbiya, even they need the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Then we saved them, بِرَحْمَةٍ minna From a mercy that proceeded from us, a mercy from our behalf. And what did we do? We actually saved them from an intensely severe punishment. Ghalid means very severe. Now we've used the word severe before for Adheem. So Ghalid you can say really, you know, uh, I would say a horrifically intense punishment. A devastating, a devastatingly intense punishment. So this an Ishara here as well, that what happened to the people of Ad 
they were faced with this devastating intense punishment. And such and these this is the story of Ad, and these such were the people of Ad. Jahadu And they were people who chose to deny and repudiate and reject the verses of revelation and signs of the Rabb. And there are people who chose to disobey Allah Ta'ala's messengers. Here in Ashara when it says Rusul, means it clearly not just say Nahud Islam was sent to them, but they are guilty of disobeying multiple prophets. So there must have been many prophets that came to them before Say Nahud Islam. He was the last and final one. And their continual disbelief and the rejection of him was the last and final straw. So third, so first attribute is they deny the verses of Revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second, that they disobey in prophets. And third, That they used to follow the command of every single obstinate tyrant. They would listen to every tyrant who ruled over them. So three things that are mentioned. So again, we had discussed before that whenever we... Uh, <clears throat> read the stories of these communities, we want to find out what were their attributes, what were their sifat, what were their characteristics, and make sure that none of those characteristics are inside of us. Right? So it means here that, number one, we should obviously believe in the verses and heed the signs of Allah SWT. Number two, separate and distinct from that, is that we must obey Nabi Kareem wasallam. That's a separate, distinct thing. And number three, we should... We should speak out and rise up against injustice and aggression wherever it occurs. We should not obey. We should not obey, right? Every obstinate tyrant. And that is why, you know, the ulama, when the quote-unquote Arab Spring was taking place, and now it's continuing into Arab summer, and Allah alam, soon there's going to be an Arab fall until they're able to remove that injustice. But the ulama felt that what they were doing is correct. This is a very excellent model of civil disobedience maybe after Gandhi and Martin Luther King now in third in Egypt you have the next third greatest example of civil disobedience and peaceful protest in the last hundred years but it means that you should not just simply live passively under an obstinate tyrant and this is an attribute that following every command of every obstinate tyrant is being mentioned as a negative attribute of the people of Al right okay Mm. Right, now verse number 16. وَأُتْبِعُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا And they were... وَأُتْبِعُوا فِي هَذِهِ And a curse was made to follow them, or they were followed in this world by a curse. What does it mean? Actually, it means that they were rejected in this world. They were rejected and repudiated and outcast in this world. And similarly, they will also be rejected and outcast on the day of judgment. Allah inna adan kafaru rabbahum. Indeed, behold and be well aware. Allah, for those of you studying Arabic, this is harfitan bi, harfitan bi. Be well informed and heed and be aware that indeed ad kafaru rabbahum. That this entire community of ad, except those few believers, they disbelieved and they denied their own rabb. Allah that indeed uh, and so away Allah that away with them away with them let them be far away who were Ad they were the people in community of Sayyidina Hud alright the story of the people of Ad we've done it earlier in Quran as well is going to come later in Surah Fajr 
And that is something that many of us may know as well because it's in the last surah number 89 and the last part of Qur'an al-Kareem. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that, Have you not seen how you rub it out with the people of Ad? Their stature was like that of pillars. So we did this earlier that they were people of very strong and stout physical stature. The like of which were never created in the land. So they were like the giants on earth. And there was never any community bestowed upon before them or since them with such physical stature. Right? In Surah Hamim, Sadza Allah Swanta describes them, they were arrogant on earth without reason. And they used to say that who can be more powerful than us? So because of their arrogance, and this is another attribute of them, right? Their arrogance and their self-reliance on their outward or apparent physical strength. In other words, they viewed themselves to be the superpower of that time. So this is Surah Hamim, Sadza Surah 41, verse number 15. So Allah Swanta says that do they not see that Allah subhanahu who's created them is more powerful than them. That no matter how accomplished or powerful or zisifat any creation may be, no matter what, they must always submit themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is the all-powerful, the all-creator. Earlier we had done in Surah Araf, which is Surah 7, verse 69, we had done quite a bit of the story of Sayyidina Hud as well, and some of it has been repeated over here. Right? 69, 70 onwards. 70, 71. Quite a lot has been mentioned. One thing that is worthy of being describing here that there are different punishments that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in different places of Quran al Karim. Okay, the one punishment that we did in Surah Araf was how was that punishment described? That they were destroyed by a wind, a tornado, a hurricane, a tempest. And it came upon them for seven nights and for eight days. Right? In Surah Al-Qaf, Surah 46, verses 24 to 25, Allah SWT describes them that they observed a cloud approaching their valleys and they exclaimed in joy, they thought that this is a cloud that will bring us rain. They thought it was good tidings, but rather it was the very thing that they sought to hasten. Sought to hasten was an early news on Surah Araf, they told Hulaysam that bring the punishment on. Let the promised punishment that you you claim Allah Ta'ala's promised if we disbelieve in Him, let it come on. So Allah Ta'ala says, indeed it was the thing that they sought to hasten. It was a fierce wind bearing a painful punishment. It demolished and destroyed everything by the command of its rub. And it, after that only their homes were left. And so their homes were left standing as a sign. Right, The ruins of a civilization were left so that people could reflect on that. Thus do we punish the sinful nation. Right. And finally in Surah 51, Surah Dhariyat, verses 41 to 42, also there Allah SWT has mentioned the story of the people of Ad. And there He simply says that we sent them a wind which was devoid of any benefit, any good. And that wind re- reduced everything it passed by, obliterated everything it passed by, reduced everything it passed by to smithereens. And there again Allah Ta'ala mentions the same verses here that they rejected the ayat of the rub, they disobeyed the messengers that were sent to them, and they followed the command of every obstinate tyrant. All right. Verse 61 onward, then Allah SWT is going to mention another prophet, the Sayyidina Salih alayhi salam, and he was sent to the community who is known as the community of Thamud. Wila Thamud akham Salih, and to the people of Thamud be sent to them as a prophet, their fellow, their fellow from amongst their brethren, Sayyidina Salih alayhi salam. But to say, some say, same thing. Ya Abdullah, oh my community, you should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ma lakum min ilahin ghayruhu. And know that you have no God, no deity except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and it was huwa ansha'akum min al-ardi and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that same being who brought you forth and brought you into existence and created you from the earth from the elements that are inside the earth wasta'marakum fiha and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that made you inhabit and settle therein in that earth فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ You should therefore seek His forgiveness. ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ And therefore then you should repent unto Him. إِنَّ رَبِّي قَرِيبٌ مُجِيبٌ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near and always ready to answer. So here you have again this notion of istighfar and tawbah that we had done earlier. I can't remember but we did do it earlier at one point. And we explained to you what istighfar and tawbah was. And it's also showing, right, that the prophets and Sayyidina... Mm, Sayyidina Hud also said the same thing. Sayyidina Hud and Sayyidina Saleh both said the same thing, that their community should make istighfar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, of istighfar and tawbah. Istighfar and tawbah. So Sayyidina Hud had said the same thing. So it means that the Anbiya were telling people that you must seek Allah ta'ala's forgiveness and make tawbah. So the same process by which an unbeliever can turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the same process by which a believer turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And that is istighfar and tawbah. So all roads that lead to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are going to begin on istighfar and tawbah. You saw it in two additional names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you haven't seen yet. Khair Karibun is not actually a name, it's a description. It's not another asma husna. Al-Mujib is the new name that you have seen. Mujib refers to that being who does ijaba. Ijaba is something even more intense than jawab. Ijaba, for those of you who study this, is Babi Ifal is some fa'il mujib from Ijaba. It means that that being is intensely responsive, who creates the whole mada of responding. That's what it literally means. So it would mean in English, I'm indeed my Rabb, inna Rabbi, indeed my Rabb is extremely near and extremely responsive and hearkens to every call of every caller. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is something we can think about in our du'a, that oh Allah, if you are karibun, mujibun to even kuffar, if they turn to you, then certainly you can be karibun, mujibun to us mu'mineen. If you are karibun, mujibun to the kuffar ummah of, say, no, you are offering yourself, Presenting yourself as Qaribun Mujibun to even the Kufar Ummah of Sayyidina Saleh alayhi salam, then certainly you will be Qaribun Mujibun with us, the Mu'mineen Ummah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam. Right? And it shows actually that notwithstanding, as a very important point to highlight here, that notwithstanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does send his punishment on them because they refuse to believe, but it shows how much Allah ta'ala wanted them to believe. Allah Ta'ala is extremely desirous and eager and wants that humanity should believe in Him. And that's why He says He is Kareeb. And He proclaims to His Prophet here, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that He is Kareeb and that He is Mujib. He is intimately near and is always just waiting and quick to answer and quick to reply to anybody who makes any type of dua to Him. All right. They respond to Ya Saleh, Kan kunta fina. Okay, indeed we used to entertain, we used to be majuwan kabla hadha. That indeed we used to have a very favorable opinion of you, we used to have a lot of high hopes in you, we used to have great hope in you. And now are you going to antanhana, are you going to forbid us an na'buda ma ya'budu abauna, 
that we should stop worshipping what our forefathers used to worship. So indeed we are in the fishakin, that indeed we are in doubt concerning that which you are calling us to do. So Sayyidina Salaam responded, Qal, Ya qawmi ara'aytum in kuntu ala bayyinatim min rabbi. Let all my community just think, just look at this and tell me that am I on a, if I did have a clear proof and an evidence from my Rabb, wa'atani minhu rahmatan, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me mercy of him from his own self. Okay, minhu rahmatan, mercy from his own being. فَمَنْ يَنْصُرُنِي مِنَ اللَّهِ That who in the world will assist me and help me against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in asaytuhu if I was to disobey him. So also showing to them again that I am as much a servant and slave to that Rabb that I'm calling you to. I'm not doing it for any compensation. I'm not doing it for leadership. I'm not doing it because I have any particular status. Right? This is what Sayyidina Salaam is saying. And by, if you don't, uh, if you, what you're asking me to do, فَمَا تَزِيدُونَنِي غَيْرَ تَخْسِيرِ That what are you doing? What you're doing is you're only inviting me to extreme loss. What you want, what you're asking me to do, if I would do it, you would only make my loss greater. And what does it mean that if I was to, you're telling me that don't tell us not to worship. Don't tell us to stop worshipping what our forefathers worshipped. He's saying, if I was to tell you that, if I was to tell you that you can keep worshipping what your forefathers worshipped, then I would be inviting on myself nothing other than a clear loss. You would make my loss even greater. Alright? Alright. Now comes the incident of the camel. We had done this for you earlier in detail when it came in the earlier surah. That oh my community, indeed this camel, this is Allah SWT's camel, means it's a sign of Allah SWT that He has sent to you. Therefore, you should leave it to graze in the land of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leave it to pasture on Allah ta'ala's earth, and do not harm it in any way. Literally, it is do not, wala tamassuha bisu'i. Do not even touch it with any evil intention. It means do not harm it in any way. Fayakhudakum adabun kareeb. If you do, then indeed a near punishment will overwhelm you. So they had a choice between an Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was mujibun kareeb or they were given a choice between an adab that was adabun kareeb. Now, the most foolish choice they made is they chose adabun kareeb. Right? And so here also Sayyidina Hussam is giving them a foreshadowing. That yes, you have disbelieved in Allah ta'ala for generations. You have disobeyed previous messengers. But now time is expiring for you. Your time is ending. And you did this earlier also in Quran, Allah Ta'ala says that every community has a term limit. And when their term limit expires, there's nothing that can delay that moment and nothing that can make it earlier either. However, what did they do? What did they do? They decided to, they attacked it on its hamstring. And then what did they say? They told when they were, so, so Sayyidina, uh, Salih Islam told them that okay, you can enjoy the life of this world for another three days. Literally it means continue living in your homes, but it means that you can keep enjoying, keep doing what you're doing now, you've got three days left. 
And in ذَلَكَ وَعْدٌ غَيْرُ مَكْذُوبٌ This is a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will not be born untrue, that cannot be falsified. This warning will not turn out to be false, will not prove, will not prove false. In other words, after three days, the azab will come on you. And that's what Allah says, فَلَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرُنَا That indeed when our command and our decree came, then what happened to Jaina Salihum وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ Then we saved Sayyidina Salihissalam and those who had iman with him بِرَحْمَةٍ minna. Same thing. From a punishment from our own behalf by our mercy. By the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمِنْ خِزِي يَوْمَ إِذِنْ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ هُوَ الْقَوِيُّ الْأَزِيزِ And we saved uh, Sayyidina Salih some of his fellow believers from that punishment and we also saved them from what? مِنْ خِزِي يَوْمَ إِذِنْ From a disgrace and a humiliation on that day. So you should know, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in your community, in the Rabbaka, that know that your Rabb, Sayyidina Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who will Qawiyyul Aziz, that he is all powerful and almighty. I think Al Qawi has come for the first time now for you in Quran. Al Qawiyyul Aziz, he is all powerful, almighty. What does it mean? He had all the power and the might that if he wished to chose, he could have also made you die in that punishment. Doesn't mean they would have been raised as believers, right? They wouldn't have gone to Jahannam afterwards, but they could have also been afflicted with punishment. This is the point. Allah SWT is saying is that we could have sent the hurricane or the tornado or the tempestuous wind, and we could have obliterated believer and unbeliever alike. And the believers could have been granted some type of shahada or something like that. But no, Allah SWT is saying we saved them. Why? Because the community of believers had to be saved to establish iman and deen on earth. Right, so one reason why, one reason prophets come and Allah Ta'ala blesses them with communities and followers is that that prophet joined with that community establishes deen on earth. This is called ikamatun deen al-ard ilaha kalimatillah. These aren't, so these communities are not, believers aren't just to be discarded with. Allah Ta'ala saves them out of His mercy, but indeed Allah Ta'ala was all powerful, all merciful. If He wanted to, He could have eradicated the prophet and the believers as well. وَأَخَذَ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا سَيْحَةُ And so those who disbelieve, what was one of the mentions of their punishment uh, of the community of Thamud, this community of Sayyidina Salah Islam, the shriek, or you can say a blast or a scream, struck the evildoers. And what happened? فَأَصْبَهُ فِي دِيَارِهِمْ خَاءَجَاثِمِينَ That they ended up, they just were left lying dead in their homes. That they were felled and lay prone, flat on their faces. They were left lying dead on their homes. فِيهَا As if they had never ever even lived and existed and flourished there. Allah inna thamuda That the same thing indeed thamud kafaru rambahum That they were a community that disbelieved and denied in their Rabb. Allah bu'dan thamud And the same thing again Allah says and indeed so away with thamud. Far and far away can be with the moon. Alright. The story of Sayyidina Salih al-Islam was dealt with detail in the end of the camel. We cover that with you in detail in Surah Araf, verses 73 to 79. So we can refer over there. Alright. One difference here is that in Surah Araf, Allah subhanahu mentioned the punishment of an earthquake. And here in Surah Hud, Allah subhanahu is mentioning a punishment of some type of blast 
or shriek or scream. So it's quite possible, I mean, indeed, that both of these things took place because when you have an earthquake, sometimes when the earth, and none of us have seen that, but the blast or shriek or scream or cataclysmic sound could be the sound of the earth rupturing. We don't know what that sound would be like. But one can only imagine what a terrible and incredible sound it would be that if the entire earth was to rupture and was to, uh, you know, was to rupture and to crack from beneath them. Right? So the sound of the earthquake, uh, was, was something that preceded the earthquake. Alright, from verses 69 onwards, Allah SWT is now going to talk about Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. وَلَكَدْ جَاءَدْ رُسُلُنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ بِالْبُشْرَى So indeed, Allah SWT says, indeed, our emissaries, and I translate Rusul here as emissaries again because it means the angels, the malaika. The angels came to Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam بِالْبُشْرَى with glad tidings. قَوْلُوا salama. So what did the angels say? This is Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. The angels come to give him the glad tidings are going to be of his son. That's coming in a moment. But they greet him with salam, with peace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right. And then what happened then? فَمَالَبِثَ أَنْ جَاءَ بِإِجْلٍ حَنِيذٍ Then when he, re- he replied to their salam, and uh, immediately then he did not hesitate to bring a... فَقَالُوا سَلَامَ قَالَ سَلَامَ That he said salam back to them. فَمَالَبِثَ أَنْ جَاءَ بِإِجْلٍ حَنِيذٍ And he hastened without delay, he brought in a roasted calf. He brought in a roasted calf. Now he didn't know what happened here. It's actually that the angels came to him in human form. And he did not recognize initially that these were angels. And so this is a sign. Look at the, what you would call the mehman nawazi of Sayyidina Rahim alayhi salam. That some people come and they just say salam. He goes and then he makes a whole animal for them. Right? Roasts a whole animal for them. Mm. All right. Now what happens, and now he's, this is how he's going to realize, So when he saw that their hands were not reaching out towards that calf, in other words, they didn't want to eat it because angels don't have any such need of that, right, the Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam, he found this a bit strange, and he became a bit fearful of them. He became a bit fearful of them, a bit scared of them, who are these people? So qalu, they said, La takhaf, that don't have, don't be afraid. The inna ursilna ila lutin. Indeed, we have been sent to the people of the community of Lut. Alright. This I will cover for you a moment that Lut is the nephew of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. Lut is the nephew of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. So it also shows that when they didn't eat, he realized, he got afraid, right? Now if some people come to you and they don't eat, you wouldn't get afraid. He was a Nabi, he was Sahib Basirat. He understood that they're not eating because there's some different type of creation. Why did he get afraid? Somehow it seems that he realized that maybe they have come, right? Although they're coming to say that we, they, they, Allah Ta'ala is describing them, they didn't say, but Allah Ta'ala is describing that they came with Bushra, right? But he is thinking that maybe they've come for some other thing. And indeed you're going to see, it's coming in a little bit, that there's a punishment that's going to be afflicted to the community of Sayyidina Lut al-Islam as well. So his wife, Wamra'atahu, uh, so the wife means, the, literally the woman, it means the wife, the spouse of Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam, Ka'imatun, that she was standing nearby. And fadahikat, and she laughed. Hmm? She laughed or she smiled. So the wife was standing by and she laughed. Alright. 
Why did she laugh? Right? Okay. She laughed, number one. Some have said that she laughed because of this statement of the angels that they told him not to fear. Because she knew that Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam, mashallah, was a mard mu'min. <laughs> and she's laughing that who are you to tell my husband not to fear? Hmm? So she laughed at what is this nonsense that these people are telling my Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Islam that he shouldn't fear. Right? But again, she didn't understand why the angels had seen something. Because Allah was mentioning clearly, right? That he grew a bit weary and a bit so the angels, but she didn't notice that. She didn't notice that. Some others say that because it's coming right now, uh, that and we gave her glad tidings by Ishaq, we gave her the glad tidings that she is going to have a son by the name of Sayyidina Ishaq alayhi salam. So some say that it's just what we call lafin ashar maratab. Sometimes they have this phrase in Arabic that refers to sometimes the latter and the former coming in reverse order. So what it means is that actually she laughed a while they told her, well, they told her of the glad tidings of Isaac, so she laughed out of joy and she laughed out of happiness. So we gave her here the good news of Sayyidina Isaac alayhis salam. And that after him means from the progeny of Sayyidina Isaac alayhis salam is going to be Sayyidina Yaqub alayhis salam. Kalat. So what did she say, the wife of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhis salam? Uh, by this her, uh, the wife of him, her name is Sara. So what did she say? Ya waylata, that woe to me, alas for me, sorrow for me, how am I going to bear a child, right? When I'm an old woman, right? That I'm a sheikha, literally the Arabic is sheikha, but here it means in terms of age that I'm an old woman. Inna hadha lashayun ajib, that indeed this is a very strange, when I'm an old woman, and my husband here is an old man, I'm an old woman, a Jews, a Jews, a Jew, sorry, a Jew is that woman who is post-menopausal. A Jew is a woman who is past her menopause, so she's actually not able. She's not able, she is, a Jew means she's intensely ajiz, she's incapable and unable to bear children. And wahada ba'li, and this husband of mine, Sheikha, he is an old man. Wahada ba'li, and this husband of mine, he's a sheikh, an old man. That indeed this is some strange thing that we, the good times that we've been given, right? That he's an old man and I'm postmenopausal. So call loose of those angels who were sent as emissaries by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Sayyidina Ibrahim al-Sam told her, Atajabina min amrillah, that are you astonished at the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Has that put you into wonder and amazement? Rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu alaykum That you should know that Allah Ta'ala's mercy and His blessings be upon you, Ahlul Bayt, O oh, the people of this house, means the people of Sayyidina, the people of the house of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, innuhu hamidum majid. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is hamid and majid. Maybe first time you're saying majid here. Hamid means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being who is ultimately and entirely and all worthy of praise. And majid means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the exalted or the glorious or that being who is worthy of glory. That being who is entirely and all worthy of glory. So here, فَلَمَّا ذَهَبَ an إِبْرَهِيمَ الرَّوْءُ That when that fear, the Sayyidina Muhammad when that fear now left him, وَجَاءَتْهُ Bushra And then the glad tidings and the good news of this birth of Sayyidina Sallallahu reached him. يُجَادِلُنَا فِي قَوْمِ Then, Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, literally it means that he debated. 
But obviously a prophet would not do mujadala with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it means that he pleaded with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He argued the case of Sayyidina Lut with us. He argued, not saying the people, he argued the case of the people of Sayyidina Lut So it shouldn't be translated, I don't know if it's being translated, debated or anything like that. What does it have? Disputed. Yet yeah, so it's not disputed and debated, right? It's he argued the case. He argued on behalf of. He presented and took, right, tried to argue on behalf of, pleaded. Really, I mean, we would really say pleaded the case of uh, the people of Sayyidina Lut alayhi salam. Why? Because inna Ibrahima lahalimun awahum munib. So we had done two of these before that he was halim and awah. That indeed Sayyidina Ibrahim Salam was halim. He was forbearing. Awahun. He was tender-hearted. We did this three before. And munib. Munib means that he had inaba. Means inabat ilallah. Means he was devoted. He was penitent. He was mm, devout and devout devotee to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Right. These are three attributes of Sayyidina Ibrahim Salam. Halim, Awah, and Munib. And these three things made him even plead the case of the community of Sayyidina Lut alayhi salam. Alright. The Ya Ibrahim. So Allah SWT addresses Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. A'rid an hada. Cease, desist, refrain from your pleading. Stop this. A'rid an hada. Right? Desist and cease from your pleading on behalf of the community of Sayyidina Nulatullah. Why? Indeed, already has come the decree and the command and the decision of your Rabb. And what is that? That indeed soon is about is come about to come to them is a punishment. غَيْرُ مَرْدُودِ A punishment that cannot be turned back, a punishment that cannot be averted. Allahu Akbar. Alright. So story of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. we've done part of that earlier, right? But just very briefly, uh, we had discussion of how he, we did this earlier, how he had debated with his father. That was a debate with his father, how he had, with Hanif, he had looked at the sun and the moon and the stars, right? He came to the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He debated with his father. Another story that is going to come later is that this Nimrud, right, was an evil tyrant and dictator. He tried to place him in the fire. Allah ta'ala ordered the fire to be cold. Then Sayyidina Ibrahim was saved from that fire. And then later then Sayyidina Ibrahim was, it was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to him that he should leave his land and he should migrate to this broader area known as Sham, but specifically that he should live in Philistine. Now his nephew, Sayyidina Lut also left with him. And Allah Subhanahu bestowed his nephew, Sayyidina Lut Nabuat as well. So he was also a prophet of Allah Subhanahu right? Part of all of these Anbiya that come from the Ahl and the progeny of Sayyidina Ibrahim Alayhi Alright. Now the nation of Sayyidina Lut lived, according to some commentators in that area of Palestine, now where the Dead Sea is. Right? And they lived in that area. And they were doing gross sins. And we did them earlier as well. We've discussed them as well. And they were engaged in this. The community was engaged of the sin of homosexuality. Now here, uh, Allah SWT sent these messenger angels to Ibrahim a.s. to inform that a punishment is going to be coming. So same incident is mentioned in Surah Dhariyat, which is Surah 51, verse number 26. Right? Where... Uh, the same thing that the angels come to say in Ibrahim with glad tidings, reading with salam. He replies to the salam and he presents a roasted calf. The exact same words that are in verse number 69 uh, over here 
exact or almost exact same words are over there in Surah Zariyat. Same thing that they didn't eat and they didn't drink, right? Okay. In Surah Hijr, Surah verse num- sur- uh, Surah 15, verse number 52, Sayyidina Ibrahim Allah says clearly to them, clearly says that I'm afraid of you. In fact, he uses the royal we that we are afraid of you. All right. And then they said that we don't be afraid of us. We have been sent to punish the nation of Lut. Okay. All right. Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam actually, this pleading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was actually a dua that he made. He made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give a, another chance to the community. What does it mean, by the way? Don't think that a Nabi is pleading on somehow excusing uh, this sin of homosexuality. It doesn't mean that. It means that Allah Ta'ala was pleading their case that don't send a punishment on them. Give my nephew some more chance to do dawah on them. Right? Give my nephew some more chance to convince them to leave their evil ways and to turn to you in iman and in belief. So this comes in Surah 29, Surah An-Kubut, verse number 32. So when the angels told, uh, when, when Ibrahim Muslim was informed that they are going to punish the nation of the Qom of Lut, so he says to them that Lut is amongst them. Sayyidina Lut is it, with them, how are you going to punish them? So they replied that we know best who is present therein. We shall definitely rescue him and his family, but not his wife. His wife will be amongst those who were left behind. And we did that with you as well earlier, that the wife of Sayyidina Lut was not a believer, and she was also overcome with the punishment. Now what happens is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, going back to Surah Hud, verse number now 77, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to send these angels to Sayyidina Lut وَلَمَّا جَاءَتْ رُسُلُنَا لُوتًا So when Allah ta'ala says, and when our emissaries, means our angels, went to Sayyidina Lut Alright. And what happened? Uh, so what happened? He became distressed because of their presence. He understood. He was a Nabi. He understood and he perhaps understood or feared. Why is it that they have come? So he was anxious and distressed upon seeing them. And and his heart became tightened. And what did he say? Indeed, this is truly a terrible day. This is a day of misfortune and a terrible day. In other words, that the punishment is going to come. So now what happens? So his community, his people came to him. And they came to him, rushing to him. They came to him, rushing towards him. However, prior to this, they were engaged in evil and foul deeds. So Qala Sayyidina said to them, Ya qawmi, ha'ula'i, that oh my community, that these people, here are my daughters. So he presented his daughters here. So it can either mean the daughters of Sayyidina Lut himself, right? Uh, or it can mean what he's saying here is the daughters of the whole community. The daughters of the community. He's calling all the women of his community his daughters, right? Because what does it mean? He's saying that ha'ula'i banati, that all of these daughters of mine, hunna atharulakum, that they are more pure for you. So what does it mean? He's addressing the men folk that rather than uh, engaging in this activity with the men in the community, these daughters of mine, so, and I think that makes more sense, right? I wouldn't want to, uh, 
you know, clearly one would not want to think and suggest that he's offering his own daughters to all the men of the community, but rather he's saying that these daughters of mine, meaning my spiritual daughters, the community, these women, means your fellow women in the community, they're atharulakum, they're more pure for you. Fattakullah, therefore you should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا تُخْزُونِي That you should not disgrace me, you should not dishonor me. Literally means before my guests, that it means before my visitors, I, these angels have come, do not disgrace and dishonor me in front of them. Then he says, أَلَيْسَ مِنْكُمْ رَجُلٌ Rashid, Is there not even a single one of you? Rajalun Tanween is coming here to indicate singular. Is there not even a single rightly guided man from amongst you? So this is suggesting that this sin was extremely widespread. Extremely widespread in this community. Paulu, so they replied, Lakad alimta malana fi banatika min haq. That you know that indeed that we have no right when it pertains to your daughters. وَإِنَّكَ لَتَعْلَمُ مَا نُرِيدُ And you are well aware of that it is that we want. Allahu Akbar. It can also mean haq, means that we have no right. It means also that we have no interest, no concern. Right? Indeed you know what it is that you want. Call. So Sayyidina Lut Islam then responds to them. And he said, that لَوْ أَنَّ لِي بِكُمْ قُوَّةً That if only and only I had the strength to stop you. If only I had the strength to stop you. Oh, are we ila ruknin shadeed? Or if I don't, or or I wish that I could simply go and take refuge onto a strong pillar. I could rely on some type of strong support against you, right? So Kalu, so the angels told him that Yalutu, that Olut, inna rusulu rabbika, that we are the emissaries and messengers sent from your Rabb. Lain yasidu ilayka, that don't worry, they will never be able to reach you. They cannot harm you. You have nothing to worry about, right? They will not reach you, they cannot touch you, they cannot harm you. فَأَسْرِ بِأَهْلِكَ So therefore you should leave with haste, leave with your family and your household. When? بِأَهْلِكَ بِقِتْعِمْ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ In the darkness of the night, or you can say in the dead of the night, it can mean also in a portion of the night. Right. So simply speaking, leave during the light. وَلَا يَلْتَفِتْ مِنْكُمْ أَحَدٌ and don't worry that none, none, uh, none of you, no single one of you, when you and your ahl leave, no single one of you should turn back. Illam ra'ataka. However, except your wife. Means it's his exception to bi'ahlika. So bi'ahlika illam ra'ataka. That leave with your wife, leave with your ahl, except your wife. You should not take your wife with you. Means that you should leave your wife behind. Only your wife will suffer. إِنَّهُ مُصِيبُهَا مَا أَصَابَهُمْ Indeed, that which is going to overwhelm and what is going to afflict them, that that the same thing is going to afflict and overwhelm her, مَا أَصَابَهُمْ That which is going to overwhelm and afflict them. And she's going to get the same punishment that they're getting. إِنَّ مَوْئِدَهُمُ الصُّبْحُ أَلَيْسَ الصُّبْحُ بِقَرِيبٌ Indeed, and the morning uh, has been fixed. مَوْئِدَ the time, this is Zarfi Zaman, the time for their wa'ad, the time for the promised decree and punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been set for the morning, and indeed is not the morning very soon and coming very soon. Alright. Falamba ja'a amruna. And then indeed when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and what we ordained, then and our order came and our decree passed. Ja'alna aliyaha safilaha. 
Right? So we took literally like this. Allah Ta'ala took up the settlement of Lut and turned it upside down. Took it up and turned it upside down. It means that we took their heights and made it their mm, bottom. We took their up, upper portion part and we made it their lower portion. That's the literal translation. It means we overturned them upside down. We lifted up the entire settlement, overturned them and placed them upside down. I remember my teacher, Amalan Yaqub Sam, is exactly how when he taught us this in Jalin, he kept doing this over and over, Allah Akbar, in that lesson. Hmm? If you could have seen our Satazakumazata. Hmm? So we turned them there, we overturned them upside down. And then second punishment. First punishment is this complete upheaval. Second then, oh, second then, وَأَمْتَرْنَا And Aleha that we sent down upon them caused to rain down upon them, what? Hijaratam min sinjil. Right, this you remember from your Surah Al-Fil. That we caused to rain down from them stones of sinjil. Of, it means baked clay. It talks about, one is soft clay, right? One is blake clay, which means it's hardened. Baked clay means it's hardened clay, right? So big, like cannon, like the cannon launches its whatever it's called cannonball right those big bullets imagine like that like bombs the cannonball right just imagine from the sky imagine a million cannons pouring down their cannonballs that's what Allah subhanahu is saying that's what he sent down upon them Allahu Akbar Kamila Manzudin Manzudin means that literally it means layers layered upon layer means one after the other volley after volley one after the layers and layers of such cannonballs afflicted them. Musawwamatan in the Rabbika. And they were marked by your Rabb. Every one of those people committing that sin were marked. They had a target on them. So it means that those stones, uh, boulders of baked clay, those cannonballs that were coming down layer by layer came down each and every one of them targeted. Targeted. They were marked. Allah Akbar Right? This is the punishment that Allah Ta'ala sent for this sin. Right? وَمَا هِيَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ بِبَعِيدٍ And indeed that these, uh, that this is not far from, it is not, this punishment is not far from the evildoers. What does it mean? This place, this mo'idah, the place where the wada took place, is not far from these evildoers of Makkah Right? So it can either mean, literally, that in terms of the t- trade caravans of Makkah Makarama, they used to reach there, they know that place. Or it can also mean in terms of that the punishment like, afflicted them is not far. They should not think that this is some far off story, the Mashrikin of Makkah Makarama, that the punishment is not far from them indeed. Okay, some comments on this passage, right? Number one, you see every sin can be repented from. We saw earlier, that even for the kufr of the community, both in both stories of Ad and Thamud, right? That istighfar and tawbah can take you out. So it doesn't mean Islam is not suggesting that a person who is guilty of homosexuality or especially a Muslim who is guilty of this should have this punishment. We should do this punishment on them. No, this is Allah Ta'ala's adab that He sends on people. Our command is to invite them to istighfar and tawbah. It's to invite them to seek the forgiveness of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala and make tawbah to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Right? However, nonetheless, 
when Allah Ta'ala does send His punishment after people fail to repent of a particular sin, it makes it clear that that sin is from the kabair, is an intensely grave, outrageous sin. And it means that just like Allah Ta'ala sent this punishment on people for their kufr, and these people, because of the sin, were also denying Sayyidina, Lut they were also engaged in kufran of their anbiya, but it means it is undoubtedly, assuredly an intense sin. I'm saying this because, again, certain progressive, modernist, reformist Muslims, for a completely just pathetic aping of the West, have tried to come up with the position that homosexuality is not prohibited in Islam. And that is the most ludicrous thing to think of, and that's completely against Qur'an. And anybody who has any feeling of understanding Qur'an al-Kareem will understand that this is an intense sin. An intense sin is an absolutely outrageous, evil act, absolutely prohibited. Right? And it doesn't matter where it takes place. It doesn't matter if it takes place between an otherwise practicing Muslim or it takes place between the extremely non-practicing Muslims. Right? It is something that is a grave sin. If sometimes people say that, well, you know, for example, you know, we have even on occasion have had to try to deal with some people to get them out of this, but they shouldn't take that, what the West says, that, you know, it's an urge in me, it's a desire in me. Well, most men have desires for women, and they are taught by the deen of Islam that they have to do mukhalafat al-nafs, they have to do mujahadat al-nafs, they have to curb that desire. So simply having the desire is not an excuse. Simply having the desire is not some justification. Simply having the feeling is not a justification. So, so it should be important that this act is not justified or excused in any way whatsoever in Islam. It is simply viewed as every other type of sin. And like every other type of sin, even if a person feels attracted to it or is desired for it, they must control that desire and attraction and they must remain within the hududullah. They must remain within the boundaries of Allah subhanahu Next is sometimes people suggest that, no, I'm genetically this way. Either they think it's a genetic thing or they think it's a psychiatric thing. Okay. First of all, nobody is genetically doomed to any type of behavior. Right? Otherwise, and many of you have heard me give this example before, that those men, it's a terrible thing, that those men who are guilty of wife abuse, of beating their wives, you should tell them that you're genetically doomed to be angry. You should tell their wives that your husband is genetically doomed to be angry and there's nothing that can be done. No one in the world would say that. It would say your husband needs counseling, he needs therapy, he needs to go into anger management program. If he has a disposition like that, he needs to train him, he needs tadbiyah, he needs tazkiyah. So just like the, anybody who has this in their quote-unquote disposition, they simply need to be trained to get it out of their disposition. As far as psychiatric goes, well, that's not my field, right? But if any person has any psychiatric illness due to which it gives them the desire for sin, then they should be treated through psychiatric medicine. But even then, it's not an excuse for them to do sin. And just like when you have somebody who is psychiatric, sometimes he's placed in a psychiatric ward, so much so sometimes a straitjacket is put on him, he is restrained from doing evil acts due to their psychiatric illness. So if it reaches that level, then such a person should be put in a psychiatric ward and should be restrained, no problem, until they get cured. Right? Point is, khulasa, there is no excuse and justification whatsoever for this sin. And it's very unfortunate, you know, that in one of the things, you know, when you follow the secular West, you will, everything that they do will come with it. 
And you will be amazed. Now, it's not at a massive scale. But it is on a small scale, but somewhat slightly increasing in your universities and colleges incidences of this. Right? And people don't know, and they turn a blind eye to it. Some of those boys are forced to get married even. Right? Right? So it is a problem. It is a problem, and it is a sin. It is the first thing, and there's, you see, I personally feel that the reason they be barkati in the society, why this problem is taking place, because people don't acknowledge it as a sin. People don't acknowledge it as a sin. By the way, let me take the time also to dispel a stereotype. Alhamdulillah, the madaris Islamiyah, Arabiyah, Diniyah of this country are not like the Catholic churches in Boston. Alright? This is a rare incidence in the madrasa. It is not something why the secular liberals love to make it sound as if this is some widespread thing. I've personally studied in quite a number of madrasas and I've traveled in many madrasas and I have, you know, kept an eye on all the different halat of these madaris and those that need islah and not. So I will not deny this, but this is a small incidence. A small incidence. This is not some widespread thing that takes place in the madrasa and those commentators and those... Oh, what's that guy's name? Those Don English language columnists who love to always jibe and say this, it's, it's, it's actually, it's the my ghibat and slander that they're doing. Right? And a person who does ghibat and slander of an entire community, for example, suggesting all the Patan madrasas are like this, they will be guilty and will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of judgment, having to answer for ghibat, not even just of one person, but of an entire community. Alright? That said, Whatever incidences that do take place on the small scale are completely guilty as well and are not in any way absolved or exonerated by the fact that they may otherwise be practicing Muslims. Alright? Okay. Now, anything else about this story? Here in Surah, Surah Hijr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions another punishment from them as well, which was the same word that was used here. Blast, shriek, scream, which I said a cataclysmic sound. So again, you know, the sound of before the whole earth is rent asunder and lifted up and put down, maybe there was a cataclysmic sound that accompanied that or was prior to that. Or one can imagine just like when they fire the cannons of this world, there's a loud noise. So maybe when Allah subhanahu wa sent down this rain torrents of these big boulders of hardened baked clay, maybe there was a sound or a blast or a cataclysmic sound that was related to that as well. Alright? And last, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually in Surah Safat, Surah number 37, verses 137 to 138, actually mentions that some people... Maybe the Mashukin of Makkah in fact, on their trade caravans, they pass by these ruins of the civilization of Lut Islam at morning and at night, and do they not reflect from the punishment that Allah Ta'ala sent to them? Next Prophet is Sayyidina Shuraib Islam. And Sayyidina Shuraib Islam was sent to the people of Madian. And so again, we have done this before as well. So now we're back in Surah Hu, verse number 84 onward. And to Madian, we sent to, into the community and people of Madian, we sent to them again, Akhaum Shu'aiba, their fellow, somebody from their own midst as a prophet, Sayyidina Shu'aiba alayhi salam. Qal yaqom ibudullah. Same thing that he said to my community, people worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, you have no God except for Him. Wala tanqusul mikyala. We did this before as you as well, that do not in any way... Mm, don't be unjust and untrue and don't do nukas in the measurement and in the weights uh, that you do. 
So you should not don't give short measure nor short weight. Inni Arakum Bikhairin. Indeed, he said that I see that you are in khair, he refers to mal. Any Arakum Bikhairin that I see that you are in prosperity. You are in prosperous circumstances, right? You are enjoying prosperity. Winni Ahafu Alaikum and therefore but I fear for you what? Adaba Yobim Muhit a punishment on a punishment and torment on that day. Another word for the day of judgment, Yomin Muhit. And it is a day that the enormity of it, the magnitude of it is going to surround and be all encompassing. It's a day that will engulf everyone. Everyone will be completely engulfed and overwhelmed on that day. Wayakomi, O my people, O full mikyala wal mizan, so you should be true. In other words, be fair, give full measure and give full weight. Bilkisti in all equity and justice and fairness. Wala tabhasun nasa ashya ohum. And you should not withhold from people those things that legitimately belong to them. What does it mean that when you give them short measure or short weight, you actually then decrease for them what their actual entitlement was? Right? And you should not be people who walk the land spreading facade. You should not round the round and walk this earth as Mufsideen, as people who are spreading corruption and sedition and mischief. And indeed it means that the what Bakiutullahi khairulukum in kuntum mu'minin wa ma ana alaykum bihafid. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the shuaib, Sayyidina Shuaib al-Islam is telling to his community that it can have two meanings. Namik can mean that Bakiutullah means those things that last with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those things that remain with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, khairulukum, that is better for you in kuntum mu'minin, were you to become believers, were you to become believers, right? وَمَا أَنَا عَلَيْكُمْ And again, same thing that earlier, that I'm not a guardian or a protector, I'm not your keeper, I'm not your ward. قَالُوا So they responded, يَا شُعِبُ That, O Shu'ib أَسَلَاتُكَ تَعْمُرُكَ That this, does your prayer, does it tell you that we should abandon أَنَّتْرُكَ مَا يَعْبُدُ أَبَاؤُنَا That we should leave all of those things that our forefathers used to worship. Oh, or that anaf alafi amwalina ma nashau that we should do, or that we should do whatever we that we should refrain from worshiping what our forefathers worshipped, and you add the verb again here, and that we should refrain from doing with our wealth whatever we want, ma nashau whatever we please. Inna kala antal halim al rashid. Surely, oh Sayyidina Shuaib al-Islam, you are halim, you are forbearing, you are tolerant. And surely you are Rashid, you are sensibly guided, you are rightly guided. Right? So now they're saying that what is it that you're asking us to do? For them it was nonsense. Alright. Now, you'll find a similar thing here by the way that people, this is an attribute, I was tracking with you the attributes, and so let's add this attribute here of the attributes of unbelievers. One extra attribute we have here is that what? Nafala fi that they want to do with their wealth however they're pleased. And that's something that we feel, right? And you know this is oh mashallah So we this is something that this is what my kid says. You know my baby boy Waji? He says about everything in Mirai. And he feels that that entitles him right, to do with it however he pleases. And this is an attribute of the unbelievers. 
This is an attribute of that community and they're also going to be inflicted with the punishment, the unbelievers and rejectors of Sayyidina Shuaib alayhi salam. So this, this is one extra attribute that is otherwise most of the story and most of the wordings are in fact similar, right? So they want to do with their wealth however they please. And it happens today also, right? And sometimes you tell somebody that, you know, you have to pay zakat, you have to pay sadaqah, or don't use your money in haram, right? They say, That's how they talk in That's exactly what they're saying. So the nisbat of such an attitude, and such a way of speech, and such a mannerism of speech, goes back to this community of unbelievers, who of the, of the community of unbelievers of Madian, who disbelieved in Sayyidina, Shreyb Alright. Call us in the Shreyb Alayhi said, Ya Qomi, O my people. Ara'aytum in kuntu ala bayinatim min rabbi. Same thing. Right? Same thing. The elements of the people, can you not see that what if, what if, in kuntu ala bayinatim min rabbi. What if that I am indeed on a clear proof and strong evidence from my rabb. And he himself warazakani. Min who? Rizq and hasana. So there, right, this is a new thing being mentioned. This is mutabik. This is what we call balagha. Balagha means to speak mutabik to the hal. So because these people were so into wealth, Shuaib alayhi salam is talking to them in their terms. And my Rabb has given me wealth and sustenance, right? And from his own self, what type of sustenance? Rizq and hasana. The most noble and excellent and bountiful and plentiful type of provision. وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ أُخَالِفَكُمْ and he says, I don't want to do. I myself don't wish to oppose you in a manner that I perpetrate the same things that I forbid you from. Right? Inna uridu illal islah. In fact, in urida, in uridu illal islah, that I have no desire or intention whatsoever except to put things right, except to make amends, except to bring about your islah. To bring about your rectification, right? Mustatatu to whatever, as far as I can, to whatever extent I am able. Wama tofiki illa billah. And indeed, whatever my success will be in bringing out the Islam of you people, that is only, I have no success, no ability, except by the fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, except due to the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alayhi tawakkaltu wa alayhi unib, and indeed on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone I trust and rely and depend, and wa alayhi unib, and to Him and Him alone do I turn in devotion and as a devout, in devotion and in penitence. Wa yaqomi, you know my people, la yajrimannakum shikaqi, that do not let your opposition to me, an yusibakum mithluma asabakum anuhin, let there not be a means to bring upon you a fate similar to that which befell, Right? The people, community of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam, or the community of Sayyidina Hud alayhi salam, or the community of Sayyidina Saleh alayhi salam. So here clearly, right, you're getting a sense of sequence. You're getting a sense of that each prophet knows what happened in the previous communities before them. You get a sense that just like now, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Quran al is using the stories of previous prophets to warn us, right? Just like that earlier prophets also use stories of earlier prophets to warn their communities. So this is a common theme, right? That humanity has a shared sense of history. But our shared history doesn't lie in some vague secular humanism. Our shared history lies in that we have been continually been addressees of prophets 
and recipients of sacred revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا كُمْ وَلُوتِمْ مِنْكُمْ And then, right, Sayyidina Shaib salam says to his people, and don't you see that the people of Lut are not far away from you. They're not far off from you. Either they're not far away from you in time, it could mean that they're not far away from you in time, that don't you reflect on those distant communities, how Nuh community was punished, Hulay Islam's community was punished, Salih Islam's community was and don't you reflect on this recent event of Sayyidina Lut how they were punished? Or it could mean that in place, that maybe again the geographic thing, that their ruins were still there and they may have been seeing them. And don't you see these ruins that are not so far away from you? Same thing, that you should make istighfar to your Rabb and you should make tawbah to him. Inna Rabbi Rahimun Wadud. That indeed my Rabb is most merciful. Wadud is a new word. Wadud means most loving. From Wadda. Wadud, most loving. Now look what message is being given. How beautifully the prophets are inviting people to believe, right? That the rub is Rahim and the rub is Wudud. So it's as long as they're being invited, the rub is Rahim and the rub is Wudud. But as they keep rejecting, keep rejecting, keep rejecting, then they pass a point where now they have to deal with Al-Aziz Al-Jabbar. They have to deal with Al-Qawi. They have to deal with Zu Intikam. Alright? Okay. So this is the story of Sayyidina Shreya Islam. They responded, verse number 91. Qalu, ya ma mimma That, okay. Wait again, remember fiqh? Tafakku? So they said to him, the Rashwab, we don't understand. Kathiram mimma takul, most of what you have said. Most of what you said, we don't even understand it. Wa inna lanaraka fina zaifa. But what we do is we consider you and we find you to be very weak amongst us. We find you to be weak in our midst. Means you're alone, maybe have a few supporters. You don't seem to have any commanding power or position over us, right? So we consider you to be a weakling or we find that you be weak amongst us. Now watch what they say. rahtuka. That if it was not for your tribe, if it wasn't for your tribe or it can mean your family or it can mean your clan, what would we have done? Ladajamnaka. We would have stoned you to death. Rajam. We would have stoned you to death. وَمَا أَنْتَ عَلَيْنَا aziz, Because you have no status, you are not worthy of honor or of any status amongst us. As far as we are concerned, you have no honor or status amongst us. So here Sayyidina Shreya something Allah responds, Ya Qawmi, tells his people that, okay, أَرَحْتِ أَعَزُّ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنَ That is my tribe, my clan, my family more honored and has more izzat in your eyes than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And it can also mean a'uzu mean are they more strength, are they more worthy of mm, more worthy of reverence and awe and deference? Are they more worthy of deference? This tribe of mine is worth more, more worthy of deference than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabbi bimata muhit. Indeed my Rabb it knows each and every single thing that you do. Literally, He surrounds each and everything that you do. His awareness encompasses each and every single thing that you do. I left one, one phrase. That and you play and is my tribe and is my clan more worthy of de- deference and reverence and awe and respect than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to you? And then you have thrown Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
behind your backs means you have spurned yourself, you have cast Allah Ta'ala behind your backs, means you show him no deference, no awe, no reverence, you view him to be nothing. In the Rabbi Bimata Mohit, indeed know that indeed my Rabb, his awareness encompasses each and everything that you do. That oh my people that you should okay, you do whatever is within your power. Do whatever you want to do according to your place and your will and your station. And inni amilun, and indeed I will also do. I will also do whatever I can do. So fatatlamuna, and then soon indeed you will know that who is it mayatihi adabun, that who it is to whom a punishment will befall, yuhzihi, such a punishment that will disgrace and humiliate them. Waman huakadibun, and surely soon you will also know that who is it that who is a liar. وَرْتَكِبُوا إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ رَكِيبٌ And therefore you should watch out in إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ رَكِيبٌ And indeed I will be watching for you. So you should watch out and indeed I will also be amongst you and I will also be watching. وَلَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرَنَا Now Allah Ta'ala third person says and when our command and our decree came نَجَيْنَا شَوَيْبَ مَوْمَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُ مَاهُ Indeed we sent our salvation we rescued and saved Sayyidina Shuaib al-Islam and those his fellow believers those few who had believed with him. بِرَحْمَةٍ مِنَّا From a mercy that proceeded from us وَأَخَذَتِ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُ السَّيْحَةِ Then again the blast and cataclysmic sound seized and overwhelmed those who were ظَلَمُوا who were wrongdoers and oppressors and who were sinfuls and by morning what happened فَأَصْبَهُوا فِي دِيَارِهِمْ جَاثِمِينَ And by morning they lay prone and they lay flat and they had fallen on their faces in their own homes كَأَلَّمْ يَغْنُوا فِيهَا As if they had never ever lived and flourished Therein, and indeed look away with the people of Madian, away with the people of Madian, just like we had done away with the people of Thumud. We cast away and far away, and we did away with the people of Madian, just like we had done away with the people of Thumud. Alright, we had a detailed account of Sayyidina Shwab al-Islam again in Surah Araf. Previously we've done it, Surah 7, verses 85 to 93, where again there was mention of an earthquake. Here again you can say the same link between the cataclysmic sound and the earthquake that I mentioned to you for these other incidences. Now, from verses 96 onward, story of Sayyidina Musa Islam. Well, look at our Sayyidina Musa bi ayatina wa Sultanim Mubin. Indeed, we send Sayyidina Musa Islam with her clear manifest signs, wa Sultanim Mubin, and a clear warrant and proof and manifest authority from us. To who? Ila Fir'auna wa Mala'ihi. Wa Mala'ihi to Fir'aun and his leaders and governors and supporters and chieftains. Fattaba'u amra Fir'aun. And they followed. Who were these governors and chief supporters? They used to but follow the orders of Fir'aun. وَمَا أَمْرُ فِرْعَوْنَ بِرَشِيدٍ And Fir'aun did not order them with anything, never ordered them with, never commanded them to do anything that was rightly guidance. Means that he only ordered them with things that were improper. Alright. And we did earlier, remember, the community that follows the orders of a unjust and obstinate tyrant. So that is the Malay of Fir'aun. يَكْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ so Fir'aun will be at the forefront. He will be leading his community on the Day of Judgment. And he will be, where will he be leading them towards? He will lead them towards entering the fire of Jahannam.
Mawrud. And indeed, this is an evil place to be watered. It is an evil place to dwell. It is an evil place to enter and to made to be dwell therein. Oh, not. And indeed a curse Literally means a curse has been made to follow him It means that he was Rejection and cast astray Right So he was cast out from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And he will be cast out on the day of judgment And indeed it's an evil award that will be given to them An evil and intensely terrible gift That will be given to them On the day of judgment Alright Sayyidina Musa salam was sent here. We just have one more thing that is mentioned here, this notion of governors, and that even when the advisors and governors should not follow the commandments and orders of a ruler, if that ruler is not guiding them with rushd, if he's not guiding them with proper, rightfully guided guidance. All right. The destruction of Pharaoh and the story of Musa, Islam and Pharaoh we have done with you in three places already. Number one, we did it in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 50. We also did it in Surah Araf, Surah 7, verses 136 to 137. And we did it for you in Surah Yunus, Surah 10, verses 90 to 92. So these, that has already come. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in 100 says to Nabi Kareem, Salaam, ذَلَكَ مِنْ أَمْبَائِ الْقُرَىٰ نَقُصُّهُ عَلَيْكَ That indeed these are the narratives and accounts of earlier towns and settlements and cities and communities that نَقُصُّهُ alayka that we relate them and recount them to you Nabi Kareem Sallallahu and from Minha and from some of them Qa'iman there are some that are still standing and from some of them Wahasid there are some that have been mown down mown down they've been cut away we did this to you cut down like har- when you harvest blades of grass that's what hasid means it means that some of those communities are still standing and some of them have been mowed down and makes it clear that we did not wrong them any one of them in any way but however they wronged their own selves they wronged their own selves by their their decision to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَمَا أَغْنَتْ أَنْهُمْ آلِهَتُهُمُ الَّتِي يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِن شَيْءٍ And indeed that all their gods who they called on besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they did not avail them to anything. They were of no use to them at all. They were no use to them at all. لَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرُ رَبِّكَ When the ordain and commandment of your Rabb came into place, when the decree of punishment befell them, none of their idols or false gods that they worship could save them from the punishment of Allah SWT. وَمَا زَادُوهُمْ غَيْرِ تَثْبِيبِ That indeed, and there is nothing, they only increase them in their ruin. Those idols and all those false gods that they worshipped brought no increase to the people of all of these different communities that were mentioned, other than Tatbib, that they increased them in ruin. وَكَذَلَكَ أَخْزُ رَبِّكَ Then indeed, O Nabi Akim Sallallahu know that such is the punishment of your Rabb, such is the coming and grabbing of the punishment of your Rabb, إِذَا أَخَذَ الْقُرَىٰ When Allah Subhanahu Wa decides to inflict His punishment on such towns and settlements, وَهِيَ ظَالِمَةٌ When such a town and settlement is unjust and oppressive and disbelieves in Him, إِنَّ أَغْذَهُ أَلِيمٌ شَدِيدٌ And indeed, literally it means Allah Ta'ala's grasp, but it means Allah Ta'ala's affliction 
affliction. The manner and method in which he afflicts punishment is indeed alimun shadeed, is extremely painful and extremely severely intense. Alright, so what had happened that from verses 25 to 99, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had mentioned the narratives of seven Anbiya in this surah, in surah Hud, from verses 25 to 99, Allah ta'ala mentioned the narratives of seven Anbiya, and now then in verse 100, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is summing all of that up and addressing Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and telling Nabi Kareem what is the lesson. So that is the same lesson that we should get from this as well. That Al-Rab, that his power to punish is intense and when his punishment, when he chooses to afflict a community with his punishment, that affliction is indeed intense and severe. This is why Allah says, now in 101 onwards, إِنَّ فِي ذَلَكَ لَآيَةً لِمَنْ خَافَ أَذَابَ الْآخِرَةً Indeed, and all of this is a sign Right? Is a sign, is an indication, liman for whomsoever, khafa adab al whomsoever fears the punishment of akhirah. In other words, the punishment of the akhirah is much, much more intense than the cataclysmic sound and the earthquake and the tempest and the hurricane and the drowning and all of these and being turned upside down and being dealt with a hailstorm of cannonballs made of baked and hardened clay. The punishment of the akhirah is much, much more intense than all of this. So reading these accounts, we should have some feeling of fear in our heart. And we should have even more intense fear for the punishment of an akhirah. ذَلَكَ يَوْمًا And indeed that day of judgment will be a day. مَجْمُوءٌ لَهُ nas That all of humanity will be gathered on and collected together in front of Allah on that day. وَذَلَكَ يَوْمٌ مَشْهُودٌ And that will be a day where everyone will be present. Everyone will be present in front of Allah Subhanahu So all of humanity, even just that itself is quite a frightening or quite an enormous prospect, right? That all of humanity will be gathered. And that will be a day that all of them will see. They will all witness that day. Right, and they will all be present. You can view this as two is mashud, the day when they will all be present, and a day when all of them will see. And indeed we have only postponed it for a little while. We are only delaying it for a short period, which is called the life of this earth. We have delayed that day for only a very, very short period. Yoma Yati La Takalama. لَا تَكَلَّمُ نَفْسٌ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ That when that day comes, no one will be allowed to even speak except with the permission and decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَمِنْهُمْ وَسَعِيد This is a famous categorization in Qur'an al-Kareem of two words, that there will be two types of people. One is shaqi. Shaqi means wretched. Wretched and abased and unfortunate. And the second is wasaid. And Sayyid means they will be happy, joyful, they are the fortunate ones. So this is a contrast between Shaqi and Sayyid. It means that on that day there are only going to be two categories. There is no third category. That indeed for those people, for Shahik, indeed those who are Shaqi, those who were wretched and unfortunate, who come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without good deeds, then what will happen to them? They will be in the hellfire. And fiha, and what will they have? Lahum fiha zafirun. And that they will just have shrieking and screaming. shahiq, And they will simply have groaning and sighing. Right? This is all that they will have. All that they will have. Actually, zafirun is sighing. They will have sighing and wailing and groaning. Was shahik and they will have shrieking and screaming. And 
خَالَدِينَ فِيهَا And they will live, they will abide therein. مَا دَامَتِ السَّمَوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ As long as the heavens and the firmaments and the earth exist. إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ رَبُّكَ Except when your Rabb wills. إِنَّ رَبَّكَ فَعَالٌ لِمَا يُرِيدٌ Indeed, your Rabb can ultimately and perfectly accomplish each and every single thing that He wills. Each and every single thing that He wills. Alright. What does this mean? So this phrase that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses here, مَا دَامَتِ السَّمَوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضِ This was actually what you would call a muhawara. This was an idiomatic expression of the Arabs of that time. It meant forever. So this is the way they would say forever, as long as the sky and the earth remains. So because they didn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they didn't realize that the world would be folded up. This was an expression in the Arabic language that meant forever. So here it means that they will dwell therein forever. Because obviously when the Day of Judgment happens, the Samawat and Ard will cease to exist. All of this world would have been folded up by then. So it's an expression meaning that they will live therein forever. Right? Others say that the Samawat and Ard don't refer to the Samawat and Ard of this world, but they refer to the Samawat and Ard of Jannah. So Jannah has seven levels, there will be seven canopies, there are seven firmaments, and sometimes actually elsewhere in Quran, Sabah Samawat is used to describe Jannah as well, and obviously Jannah will have an earth, Jannah will have a place upon which people will be walking and people will be residing. Here, one of the most long discussions you will find in the Arabic books of Tafsir is on this, what Allah Ta'ala said, إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ رَبُّكَ Accept what your Rabb wants. So this can mean, uh, number one, that there will be some people who are shaqi, who are actually have iman, but be, notwithstanding their iman, they were still shaqiyun. So they still engage in vulgarity, profanity, lewdness, fisk, fasad, fasha, munkar, sayyat, su, zan, ism. They did all of that. But they actually still had iman. So because of their actions, they were shaqi, and they will enter into jahannam. But eventually Allah Ta'ala will bring them out. Who is it that He will want to bring out? Allah Ta'ala will bring out the person who had a drop of iman in his heart or her heart. He will eventually bring them out. Another meaning, Allama Farrah, Rimullah, who is a great scholar of Arabic grammar, has suggested here that Illa ma sha'a means that they will dwell therein, except here doesn't mean an actual exception, it means that however, if Allah Ta'ala did not want, if Allah Ta'ala did not want, if the Mashiach of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala was that people shouldn't live forever, they wouldn't live forever. They wouldn't live, they wouldn't live in Jahannam forever. If that wasn't his want. So what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is he's not bound by this. It wasn't, if it was not his want, then they wouldn't live forever. However, Allah ta'ala then immediately says, Inna rabbaka, however, know the verily your rabb, fa'alun lima yurid, he ultimately does what he intends. So it's Allah ta'ala's irada that they shall dwell in Jahannam forever. And he will be fa'alun lima yurid, he will ultimately and completely and irrevocably and unfeedingly and inadvertently do what it is that he intends to do. And therefore they will actually live therein forever. Alright, next category is, وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ سُعِدُوا 
فَفِنُ الْجَنَّةِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا Same thing that indeed those who were fortunate, those who were rejoiced, those who were happy, they will dwell in Jannah forever. Means they will dwell in Jannah as long as the Samawat and the Ard remain. إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ رَبُّكَ So here Allah Ta'ala is again showing His Sha'an that doesn't mean Allah Ta'ala is going to kick somebody out of Jannah. Right? Any more than the earlier one meant that Allah Ta'ala is going to take remove the eternal punishment of Jahannam from somebody who is supposed to be there for eternity. Allah Ta'ala is not going to remove the eternal reward of somebody who is supposed to be in Jannah for eternity. But it means that if Allah Ta'ala wanted to, Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala wanted to, but then He makes it clear uh, in the next ayah that He won't do that. So what does He say? That Ata, this is a bestowal from Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, a gift from Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. means that it's unceasing. Unceasing a gift and a prize and an inam from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is unceasing that will never end. That you should never ever be doubt with regard to regarding what these people worship. That they are not worshipping, they merely worship, they are only worshipping that which their forefathers worshipped before them. That indeed Allah Ta'ala says that we are going to beard the being who we are going to give them their full share of punishment without any reduction whatsoever. Without any reduction whatsoever. Alright. The first thing we learned from this passage is that initially no one will speak on the Day of Judgment. And no one will speak because they will be awestruck, they will be dumbstruck as we say. And then only and only that person will speak who Allah Ta'ala gives an idhan to speak, whom Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala will give permission to speak. And then those people, well either they would admit their sins, right? Or maybe some of the anbiya and then other levels of mu'mineen will be allowed to intercede for people, right? But after all of that, after the whole process of judgment, after all of everybody spoke, Everybody spoke when their individual judgment was taken. Every intercessor whom Allah Ta'ala has given the right to intercede is spoken. After all of that is done, then there will be just two categories. Either a person will be Shafi or a person will be Sayyid. Alright. So that also you can understand what we discussed about the people of Araf. That this ayah also makes it clear that there are just two types of people. There will not be... Uh, there are two types of people. There will not be any third type of people who will have some eternal life that lies outside Jannah or outside of Jahannam. Okay. Here the eternality of hell is going to come a little bit more in Surah Kaf as well, so I'll discuss it with you over there when it comes, inshallah. Indeed, we granted Sayyidina Musa the scriptural revelation. But however, later on, people started deferring about it, right? So you have the story then in the Ban Israel. They start deferring about the scripture. Differences arose about it, right? Because of their trying to change and their tahrif, they're changing the book and changing the order and sequences of words that were in it. That if it was not for a decree that had priorly, that had been prior from your Rabb, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then Allah ta'ala says, Surely we would have already have decided the matter between them. 
even though wa innahum lafi shakkim minhu murib even though that they're extremely caught up and confused and cast into uncertainty in all types of grave doubts concerning it when kullallamma la yuwaffiyannahum rabbuka a'maluhum that without doubt your rabb will certainly give each and every single person the full recompense and the full share of each and every single thing that they do they will have the full due for whatever they have done innahu bima ya'maluna khabir indeed allah subhanahu is all aware of each and every single thing that you do so therefore fastaqim kama umirta all of this now right is allah subhanahu talking to the prophet sallallahu Right? فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ وَمَنْ تَابَ مَعَكْ So you should remain steadfast of istikamat. كَمَا أُمِرْتَ As you have been commanded. وَمَنْ تَابَ مَعَكْ And each and every person who has made tawbah with you should also have istikamat. This is the ayah, right, that mentions that the Sahaba Kram are described as having made tawbah with the Prophet So some people have this question, but you're supposed to make tawbah with Allah. And otherwise Allah Ta'ala said, Tubu illallah. And here is mantaba ma'aka means ma'adusul. So these are two different particles and prepositions in Arabic, illa and ma'a. Illa in English would mean towards. So we make our toba towards Allah Subhanahu We make our toba to Allah Subhanahu But ma'a means with. So it means you have to join the two things together when we make toba to Allah with the Prophet. That's how the Sahaba are being described. The Sahaba were people who made toba to Allah with the Prophet. And what was the way that they made tawbah with him? That is known as bayt. This is called bayt tawbah. And this is coming later. Well, it's not going to come this year, but it'll come next year, Surah Al-Mumtahina. Right? And it's also in Sahih Bukhari. So the bayt tawbah of mu'minat, female believers, is mentioned in Surah Al-Mumtahina. That they made bayt. Ya yun nabi ida ja'akal mu'minat. That when the believing women come to you, you buy yitnaka to give bayt to you. Right? So this is Be'at toba This is what's being referred to, Man Taba Ma'ak. The Be'at toba of male believers, that is mentioned in Kitab al-Iman of Sahih Bukhari. And that is Sayyidina Ubadah ibn Samad, where says that the Prophet was, we were once a group of us sitting with the Prophet and he asked that, shall I not take your Be'at? Shall I not take a commitment from you? I want you to make a commitment with me, Ma'a, with me. Right? And the Saba said, surely, but on what, Ya Rasulullah And it was basically on Tawbah. What does Tawbah mean? It means to make a commitment with someone to Allah that you want to leave all of your sins. So this is a Sunnah Amma. So that bayat that the Mashaik and all the rightly guided Mashaik and all the Abtasawaf take, it was meant to be a bayat of Tawbah only. Not that you're pledging yourself to the Mazar of Falang Guddinashin and henceforth all of your salary is given to him. That's not what bayat means. Bayat is nothing more and nothing other than this toba that we make toba to Allah with someone. Now, why do we make toba with someone? Why did the Saba make toba with the Prophet? Some people that sounds a bit Christian, right? The Christian concept of Jesus as salvation. What it meant was that they made the toba to Allah with the Prophet because they wanted, the, they did it with the Prophet to get this ma'iyat, to get this connection, to get this nisbat that the Prophet would guide them and teach them how to be true to their tawbah. So many times we explain English this way, that one thing is to make true tawbah, and second is to be true to your tawbah. One thing is to make true tawbah, and the second thing is to be true to your tawbah. So making true tawbah, that is illallah, that a person makes with Allah SWT. How to be true to your tawbah, that is helped if you make tawbah with someone who will be your guide. That's where this word came into, so of murshid. 
Murshid means a person who will guide you how to be true to your tawbah. So what does that mean? They will teach you taqwa. They will teach you sunnah. They will teach you dhikr. Right? That's what they will teach you. They will teach you how to get the sifat of the mu'mineen that are mentioned in Qur'an al-Karim. So this notion of making tawbah with someone, this is being mentioned here in Surah Hud, Surah number 11, verse number 112. It's also making clear that what should a person do after they make tawbah, then they have istiqamat. They must be true to that tawbah. They must be steadfast on that tawbah. They must adopt taqwa. Right? And the Sahaba Ikram were people who made tawbah with the Prophet Tabin were people who made tawbah with Sahaba. Tabai Tabin are people who made tawbah with Tabin. And this is, continues and continues. And that's where the word Silsila came from. Silsila meant a continuous and unbroken chain of tawbah. So we are people, for example, I made tawbah with my Shaykh, who made tawbah with his Shaykh, who made, I made tawbah to Allah with my Shaykh, who made tawbah to Allah with his Shaykh, who made tawbah to Allah with his Shaykh, going back and back and back and back to Sahaba Ikram who made tawbah with Nabi Akram Sallallahu Man Taba Mak, it's Quran, going back to Sahaba Ikram who made tawbah with Nabi Akram Sallallahu to Allah Subhanahu Wa Right? So that is what the Real tasawwuf is all about. That's what the real bayt is about. It's about tawbah. Falatat ghaw innu bimata maluna basir, and you should not transgress. You should not exceed the limits. You should not commit tuqyan. Why? Because indeed Allah subhanahu wa taala is all aware about each and every single thing that you do. Walatarkanu illadina zalamu fatamasukum nar. And this is another very important ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem 1.13. You should not incline, don't let your heart, it means don't let your heart incline. It can also mean don't depend. Tarkanu, you know in a fair bit, rukun. Right? What does rukun mean? So rukun is a pillar. So tarkanu means, that means don't lean on. Don't lean on them. Lean on the pillar means that you lean on them in terms of support. So don't rely on them. Don't draw support on them. Don't lean towards them. Can also be Don't incline towards them. Your heart shouldn't turn towards them. Who is them? Who is it? Illalladinazalamu to the people who are unjust, who are wrongdoers, who are transgressors, whether they be from believers or unbelievers. Why? Because if you lean towards them, if you rely upon them, right? What will happen? Fatamasakumanar. Then the fire will touch you. Then the fire of Jahannam may touch you. And then if that happens, وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونَ اللَّهِ مِنْ That know that other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you do not have anyone, you will not have any allies or anyone to protect you against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will not have any help. All of this is what? So now another attribute. لَا تَرْكُنُوا إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Simply inclining towards them. And you find that especially in this society, whenever there's an unjust ruler, all of the elite business classes, they start inclining towards them. What you say, well, so they're inviting them. It was, it's just like a joke. I remember when Musharraf was president and general, so all of these, even some of my relatives, were inviting him to his place, to their places, right? Inclining towards them, coddling, coddling up to them. And now, this garden, now they're coddling up to the next one, coddling up to the next one. Now, if you're calling up to somebody who is a dhalim, who is an unjust oppressor, right? Who is an unjust oppressor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the fire will even touch you and you will not have anyone 
There will be no help. There will be no help for such a person. So it means the sifat of a believer is we don't. We can, yes, we can make dawah to people who are unjust. We can try to counsel them, advise them, try to get them leave their unjust ways. But we don't coddle up to them. We don't cater to them. We don't rely on them. We don't want their support. We don't want their approvals. We don't want their NOCs. We don't want their minds. We don't mind if we have to get it through them. We don't want it from them. Right? If they're unjust. And really, and you, missed, you really underestimate unjust rulers are, that's how they're able to support and perpetrate their rule because people cuddle up to them. And especially the business community is the most guilty of this, that they pay all the bribes, they give all the corruption, they give all the favors. That's how these people perpetrate the rule because when these under, get so much money, then they give their will to all, they distribute that money to the people below them who are supporting their unjust rule. That's the way it works, right? So the people who are leaning towards them and supporting them, they're guilty of perpetrating the whole system of injustice. Right? Yakir people don't realize that. They're just looking at dunya. They're just looking at dunya. You know? And you know in this country, really, I mean the type of things they give bribes for. They give bribes so that the CNG gas price goes up. This is what the community or association of gas people do. Right? And when the CNG gas price goes up, the poor man suffers. The poor man suffers, right? Your profit goes up, but he suffers, right? And they give such big bribes to these leaders to get this done. And they become rich. And the poor man suffers, right? So such riches, they're haram. They're absolutely haram. Absolutely haram. And Allah SWT is saying, don't, don't, la tarkunu, don't do it. فَتَمَسَّكُمْ النَّارَ The fire of Jahannam will touch you. وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَنْ أَوْلِيَاءَ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْسَرُونَ وَاقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ Then you should regularly establish the prayer. تَرَفَيِ nahar. It means at the two ends of the day. Right? I think I did this before. No, maybe we didn't do it before. And the two ends of the day. وَزُلَفَمْ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ And during different portions of, during parts of the night. Why? إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ Another very important ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem, Surah Hud, Surah 11, verse 114. إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ Then indeed the good deeds, they drive away the evil deeds. They will dispel the evil deeds. They will erase the evil deeds. So what does this mean? We did this for you before earlier. Remember the sayyat or the sahayr, or the minor sins. So if a person does acts of good deeds, pious acts of worship, charity, etc. And here specifically, the rabd is Allah Ta'ala talking about salah, about namaz. So the prayers that you pray can be an expiation and a means of forgiveness for the slips and mistakes and errors and minor sins that we did. And indeed, this is an admonishment and an advice for those who wish to take an advice, who wish to be people of remembrance. This is a reminder for those who are aware. Wasbir, and you should become steadfast. And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let the reward of the ajr of the muhsineen of those who did do good go to waste. Alright. Here also, I, I used to track this with you, so let me not leave that out, that I have been mentioning to you as we go, those eyes in which Allah subhanahu wa manifests His might and His majesty, His sha'an and His shoka, even to Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one of those eyes includes this one, 
فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ Because directly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is initially commanding the Prophet دَتْ جَاؤُ جَسَي تُمِي حُكُمْ دِيَا گَيْ دَتْنِكَ You should become strong and steadfast and persevere as you've been commanded to. So this is also one of the ayat where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has manifested His might and majesty even directly to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This notion that good deeds take away or obliterate evil deeds. Right? Good deeds obliterate evil deeds. And specifically how it relates to Salah. So there's a few hadith that I will just recite, read out to you. About four or five hadith very quickly from the Sahih of Bukhari first. The Hussain Abu Rehra said and gave this example of how prayer, the Salah, can remove our bad deeds. So he says that, tell me if any one of you would have a river or a stream that was flowing in front of his home. And if he took a bath in that river and stream five times a day, would there be any dirt left on his body? So the Sahaba who were present, they said, no, Ya Rasulullah, there would be no dirt left on such a person's body. So then the Bikram told them that this exactly like this is the example of the five daily prayers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes away all the evil deeds and sins that a person does who performs the five daily prayers. Second thing that has been mentioned that can, so this is, we give you some hadith about different hasanat that can take away sins. So one of those hasanat that take away sins is salah. Second, also hadith in Bukhari, also by Sayyidina Abu Huraira, said that Nabi Akram said that whoever stands in worship, devoted worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Laylatul Qadr, in a state of iman and with yaqeen, and he stands in worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then all of his previous sins will be forgiven. And also said in the same hadith that whoever observes all of the fasts of the month of Ramadan in a state of iman and with yaqeen, then all of his previous sins will be forgiven. Right? Another hadith is that whoever performs hajj for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and doesn't do any fahsha, any fush, any lewd, inappropriate, immodest act over there and does not commit any sin, then he will return like the day his mother gave birth to him, i.e. means he will return as if he is freed from sin. Another hadith also in Bukhari, also by Sayyidina Abu Hurairah that Prophet said that if a person does two umrahs, then between the two umrahs, all the sins that they did between the two umrahs will be forgiven. Again, all the more reason now we can understand why people who view themselves as sinful like to go for umrah repeatedly because every next umrah will then wipe away the sins that took place between the previous umrah and the next one. All right. Similarly, in hadith of Sahih Muslim, Nabi Akhtar said that the five salah and one Jummah until the next Jummah, and one Ramadan until the next Ramadan, all of these three things wipe away the sins that are committed in between them. And here the Apostles have mentioned this word on the condition that the Kabair are abstained from. So I've already discussed with you earlier in this course the difference between the Sagayr and the Kabair, the minor sins and the major sins. So all of these things are being mentioned in Hadith as things that can wipe away the minor sins. So much so, Nabi Yaqtim even mentioned in Sahih Muslim Hadith that even one salah, that the Prophet said that when the time of any salah comes on a person and they perform wudu properly, they perform rakusa properly, they perform sajda properly, then that will be enough to wipe away all of their sins on the condition that they abstain from the kabayah, on the condition that they stayed away from the... This is the Hadith, it's not the commentary. The Prophet said, on the condition that they stayed away from the kabayah, on the condition that they stayed away from the major sins. Next hadith, the Biyakim Sam said also in Sahih Muslim that whenever a person performs wudu well and then proceeds to the masjid, 
for the purpose of praying salah in the masjid, then he will be given a darajah. He will be raised a rank for every step that he takes, and a sin will be forgiven also for every step that he takes, and this reward will continue to accumulate, and the sins will continue to drop until he enters the masjid. Another hadith in Sahih Muslim, Sahih Muslim, that whoever fasts the 10th of Muharram, yawm ashura the Prophet said that I hope, I have strong hope that Allah SWT will forgive for them the sins of their entire year. Alright? Then last is hadith in Nasa'i, Sunan Nasa'i, that whoever sends salawat, durud, what you call durud sharif, 10 times on the Prophet the Prophet said that Allah SWT will send 10 salawat on him, will raise him 10 darajat, and will also forgive 10 of his sins. So every time we send the and salawat means that these are all examples of hasanat by means of which a person's sins are removed. Okay, Surah Hud, verse number 116. That if... Okay, from... Were there no more from the nations of the past... Ulu baqiyatin yanhawna anil fasadi fil ardi illa kalilam mimman anjayna minhum. Okay. That they, if they, if they had forbidden fasad fil ardi, if they had forbidden corruption on this earth, there's only been a few such people like that. A few such people, mimman anjayna minhum, from amongst the people who Allah SWT is saying that we saved them, we sent our salvation onto them. Alright? So what is Allah SWT saying? That Allah SWT has mentioned to the Prophet If only there had been among those communities and generations and civilizations that had come before your time, people who had mm, the sense, right? People who had the sense that yanhauna anil fasad fil ard, that they they should have prevented corruption and mischief from taking place on this earth. But unfortunately, there were only such a few people like that whom Allah Subhanahu wa Taala saved. And the rest, وَتَبَلَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا And then the rest, what happens is that the oppressors, uh, the wrongdoers and the oppressors, وَتَبَلَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مَا أُتْرِفُوا فِيهِ That الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Those who are wrongful oppressors and unjust, they used to follow all of the luxuries that Allah Ta'ala had occupied them in. And thereby they became people who are guilty of wrongdoing and became sinners. And it does not befit your Rabb and never would your Rabb ever destroy or annihilate any city, any community, any civilization unjustly. And what would it mean? Right? Unjust would mean that if its people were acting righteously. وَأَهْلُهَا مُسْلِحُونَ If the people were salih and doing islah and they were acting righteously and even even مُسْلِحُونَ can mean that even if they were trying to reform themselves even if they were trying to rectify and fix themselves even then Allah SWT would not have annihilated them. وَلَوْ شَاءَ رَبُّكَ لَجَعَلَ النَّاسَ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا And if, if indeed your Rabb oh indeed your Nabi Akram Sassam Rabb if he had so wished he would have made all of humanity into one community one civilization. وَلَا يَزَالُونَ مُخْتَلِ but instead, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wish? But they rather, the wishes of Allah is that He didn't do so. And so what happens as a result? That they will never cease with their differences. They will never stop having their differences. 
illa except such a person man rahima rabbuka upon whom your rabb sends his mercy makadalika khalaqahum and thus walidalika khalaqahum and for this did allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create each and every one of them i to be in this way وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ And thus have completed the kalimat and the words and the decree of your Rabb. لَأَمْلَأَنَّ جَهَنَّمَ مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ And Allah SWT says, Indeed, surely, definitely, I will fill to the brim Jahannam, hell, مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ from jinn and from humanity أَجْمَعِينَ Doesn't mean all of them. But ajmain means a majmu'ah of jinn and nas. That's what it means. So from the jinn and humanity together. From multitudes of jinn and humanity together, will be, will, uh, jahannam will be filled up with that. Alright. What does that mean? So it means that there were few men in the past, few wise, pious people who used to prevent people from corruption. Otherwise, the vast majority of people were either engaged in corruption or they allowed corruption, they remained idle, they remained silent. So here again Allah subhanahu wa is teaching us that it's not for us to simply be idle and silent when corruption takes place, but it is our job as believers that with the proper way and in the proper method, right, to raise our voice and to try to remove injustice and corruption uh, from this earth. All right. By Ummat Awahid, Allah Ta'ala means that if Allah Ta'ala had wanted, He could have made everybody Muslim. But instead, Allah Ta'ala has decreed that they were different people, humanity schismed into different beliefs and different ideologies and different religions. Alright. Now Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala then is going to conclude this verse when they're concluding 3, 4 ayahs, 120 onward. وَكُلَّنْ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الرُّسُلِ That, oh my, my beloved Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, each and every single thing that we have told you regarding this, these Anbiya, the stories and events of these Anbiya and messengers that came before you, was for what reason? مَا نُثَبِّتُ بِهِ فُعَادَكَ So that we could strengthen your heart. All of this was so your heart and your resolve would be strengthened by these accounts. وَجَاءَكَ فِي هَذِهِ الْحَقُّ And has come to you in the form of all these narrations and accounts الْحَقُّ Absolute truth وَمَوْئِذَةٌ And in advice وَذِكْرَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ And a reminder and advice and admonishment and lessons and reminders from the believers. Right, so this is what Allah is guiding us, that we are mu'mineen, right? And we should take the mo'idha and the dhikra, we should take the lessons and reminders, the admonishment and the counsel that Allah has placed in these stories, right? And that's what I was trying to highlight with you, that the attributes that these unjust communities have, we should not have that. Waqul and say, my beloved messenger, sallallahu la yu'minuna, that to those who do not believe, right? I'malu ala makanatikum, that you should keep doing what you're doing. Keep, it can mean keep doing what you're doing, continue doing what you're doing, or it can mean do whatever you can. Do whatever your position allows you to do. Do whatever your position allows you to do. Inna amilun, and say to them, and we, meaning me means the Bihakasim and the community believers, we are also amilun, we are also going to do whatever we can, we are also going to commit actions. Wantadiru, and that you should wait. Inna muntadirun, and that we are also waiting. Now here in this case, right, there what's going to happen in the Muslim case is that the unbelievers aren't going to be faced with the punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are they waiting for? A fathum mubin. 
In this case, Allah SWT is going to make the Prophet ﷺ victorious. And what are the differences? The differences in the previous Anbiya, they had few followers. And even those followers were quite shaky, some of them at some times. Whereas in this Ummah, Sayyidina Rasulullah had Sahaba Ikram. So here the punishment isn't going to come. What they're waiting for is not the punishment to come from Allah SWT. Not an earthquake, not a torrent, not a downpour of hail. No, what are they waiting for? The Prophet is telling the Prophet in Quran to tell the disbelievers that they should wait and that the believers will also wait for what? For the fatah, for the victory and triumph and glory and establishment of deen of Islam on earth. Right? And here, I should also mention to you, right, that there are phases in history. And you have to understand the Islamic philosophy of history in its entirety from Quran and Sunnah. So the Quran is talking about the early phase of history, where then the Islamic ummah will triumph and the Islamic deen will be established as the most true deen on earth and the Islamic deen will be live this golden age of Islamic civilization where Islam will be a superpower on earth. Then the hadith comes and explains to us that the tide will turn. And then Islam's veracity, supremacy, glory will fade. And it will continue to fade and nothing will be able to revive it to that level of glory until the coming of Sayyidina Imam Mahdi al-Islam. Right? So to, although, so there's a misreading of history to think that we need to establish the Khilafah again. The Khilafah is not going to be established again until Imam Mahdi al-Islam comes. And a lot of those groups who are trying to invite people to siyasat or khilafat or khilafat or siyasat, either way, they quote different of these ayat of Qur'an, but what they don't realize is they're quoting ayat that are describing an upswing and a tide upswing in Islamic history that has already taken place. It's not prescriptive for us. It, it was prescriptive for the early community, and it describes the surge that Islamic history took place, but now you have to look at the hadith that talk about nuzul. You understand nuzul, they talk about the decline of the ummah. They talk about the alamat of qiyamah. And in fact, and I gave you guys a talk once on this in the masjid, that there are different signs of the alamat of qiyamah. One specific set of those signs, and maybe we should try to compile this talk and give this to you again, right? One set of signs of the Day of Judgment are those alamat that will occur in the ummah. And from what I've seen, every hadith that I've seen, all of those alamat are there. What are the signs that will occur? For example, the Prophet said the music will be widespread. He said that alcohol will be widespread. He said that zina will be widespread. He said that interest will be widespread. If a person was to do a detailed or even, even not even a detailed, even an initial preliminary study of all the hadith that talk about the alamat of qiyamah that will come to manifest and will be displayed and found within the ummah, every single sign has come to place. Now, Allah Alam, that we don't know, end of time could mean 50 years, could be in, nobody can say how many years it's going to be in. But what lesson we should take from all of those collective hadith is that when the alamat of qiyamah have manifested themselves, that means we have entered into a time of nuzul. When you're entered into that time of nuzul, the same hadith teaches us the only thing that will take you out triumphantly, right, from that nuzul is the coming of Imam Mahdi So this is our response to all of those movements that say you should fight for the khilaf and friend with all due respect to them. And they've been at it for 20 years and they haven't even brought us one inch closer to the khilafah. And it's not their fault, it's not, they have ikhlas. 
and they're sincere and they have taqwa and they have piety and they make dua to Allah but they're trying to bring something about which hadith has told us is not going to be able to be brought about now because you're in the time of Nuzul. At the same time, don't misunderstand, this is not suggesting in any way that the deen teaches us that we should be pacifistic in terms of passively accepting our fate. No. But it means that injustice has to be fought, but in Justice is not going to triumph until Imam Middle Islam comes, but that doesn't mean you don't fight injustice. And in fact, in many sense, the teaching of Islam from this day and age is that you have to fight a losing battle. In other words, that even if you're not able to remove the injustices around you, you have to raise your voice against them, you cannot participate in them, you must protest against them, you cannot passively accept them. Secondly, there are lots of injustices that can be removed even in the age of Nuzul. The one thing that cannot take place is a triumph in terms of the golden Islamic state, Allah Medina, that's not going to come again. But what, in, in the entire Ummah, at an Ummah level, what could happen, that could come in a juz of the Ummah, that could come partially in some part of the Ummah. And what can happen is you can, for example, injustice in terms of access to education, injustice in terms of poverty alleviation. There are many, many battles of injustice that can be fought and won. You may not be able to win the entire war against injustice, which means to eliminate injustice globally. Only Imam Mehdi Islam will be able to do that. So you will not be able to win the war. But it doesn't mean you cannot fight and win battles. And certainly in this country, even let's just take those two examples that I gave you, right? The fight for the access, a just system of education where there's equal access to education for all and fighting the injustice of poverty, there's so much more work to be done. You could win that. That is within the reach of the ummah. And it's and you will never be able to even establish any type of khilaf until you can do these things anyway, right? So it's only when you're able to remove the economic and social injustices that you will even have a chance of doing the political injustice. So our message, even to those groups who, you know, because everybody has different views, nobody's going to agree with me, even those groups who feel that, no, we can still establish the Khilafah, even to them we would say, okay, look, first, rather than everybody having their own movement and party and idea, everybody should get together and first do what everybody must agree is common and also everybody must agree is the precursors to political justice, which is establishing economic and social justice. That can be done. After that, my view is that political justice won't be established until Imam Mehdi Islam comes. But we can see, right? After you establish economic and social justice with the person you who you view should be Khalifa, they take Bayat al-Khilafat, right? So if, you, if he is, oh, no problem. If he is just and he can establish political order, we'd be happy to follow him. But he's never going to be able to do so until he establishes economic and social justice. Many times I used to give my students at the university the example, not these type of students, the other type of students who would come in front of me. Because I said many times, right? the other students who used to come to us, I'd give the example of Turkey. right? And the Turkish system is the best example for Pakistan. That they have, in fact, they even called their party Justice and Development Party. They hit it on, the, even the name of the party is perfect. And what did they do? How did they get the vote? They fixed up Istanbul. When they fixed up Istanbul, the populace said, we give you the whole country, fix it up. And they keep fixing it up. And even secular people vote for them because they know they fix it up. It's only the die-hard, narrow-minded seculars who don't vote for them. So I used to tell some students, those type of students who were more into social sciences and politics and economics, that fix up Karachi. Jo Karachi ko theek karte na, hum usko mulk dene ke liye har taal chalenge. 
right? In terms of, in terms of you know, civil administration, civil administration, establish that, then start thinking about political global order. The more about it, right? So I wanted to make that point clear, right? Because we have done, we talked a lot about, right? How did this start? This started because Allah Subhanahu wa saying that you should wait and we wait and a fatah and a victory and a glory. And alhamdulillah, that glory lasted in Islamic civilization for centuries, centuries. And even honest Western historians write about the great achievements of that Islamic civilization, right? You can't try to revive that from scratch. It's not, you can't go from zero to khilafat. And they didn't go from zero to khilafat either. Right? Yes, you will sign that there were certain communities and although I know this is a very politically sensitive topic and maybe I shouldn't say this word because I'm being recorded. So let's just say a certain neighboring country had a certain administration earlier and that administration did actually establish economic and social justice. This is according to the United Nations reports prior to 9-11 that that administration, which I'm not naming right now, actually had established social and economic justice. Yes, there was an issue of women's education, right? Uh, and Islam is not against women's education. You yourself are all sitting by the way in Zainab Academy, right? And there are many, many ulama who have made madrasas for women, and now there are many ulama who are making high schools for women, right? And I happened to actually be studying at Columbia University in New York when the ambassador, although it wasn't recognized, but self-styled ambassador, representative of that administration to America, who was later imprisoned by them, right? gave a speech at Columbia University. And in that, there was, I can't remember, one of those Scandinavian countries, either Norwegian or Sweden or one of those countries, right, which have a lot of NGOs. And they said that we have made a deal. And actually, the problem was co-education. And what they had done is they have eliminated education temporarily. And now we have funded them with, I don't know how much, millions of dollars, they said, to establish all girls' educational systems. This is shortly after, this is, you know, shortly thereafter then, this whole system collapsed, right? But other than that one issue, other than that one issue, all other aspects of social and economic justice had been. Now you have to understand that was a tribal society. The level of social and economic justice is very different. Pakistan is a modern mass nation state. And these are small places, right? It's a very different type of country. But either way, in Pakistan, uh, the, 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 the thing to do in Pakistan is not to try to enact Sharia from top down. The thing is to build up economic and social justice, according to Islam, according to Sharia, but economic and social justice bottom up, right? And then you can talk about establishing a political order, right? And that's why if you, if you really, if you were an astute social scientist, you would see that the elites in this country, although they may speak about that we don't want Sharia to come, what they actually do on the ground is they make sure economic and social justice doesn't take place. They perpetrate feudalism, they perpetrate corruption, all of their actual efforts, and actions speak louder than words. The words are all about, oh, Talibanization of Pakistan and this and that, but what are they actually doing? They're actually making sure that economic and social justice doesn't take place in this country. Right? So that's the real thing, and that's, generations can keep working on that, and we still may not be able to achieve it. Right? Khilafat, bahut dur ki baat hai. Bahut dur ki baat hai. Okay? So I wanted to make that clear. I wanted to make that clear because sometimes some of these verses are very emotionally and very passionately charged, uh, you know, quoted to make it, to make people feel emotionally that perhaps, you know, we need to directly establish some type of political order of Islam on earth. Wallahi, 
غيب السماوات والأرض and to Allah سبحانه وتعالى belongs all of the things that are unseen in the realms that lie above and on this earth وإليهي يرجع الأمر كله and to Allah سبحانه وتعالى lies all matters and all decree and all power and all decisions return and refer to Him exclusively فأبدوه therefore you should worship Him وتوكل عليه and here the singular form is directly addressed to Sayyidina Rasulullah but by Him through extension through proxy to all of those who believe in him, فَعْبُدْهُ Worship him, Allah SWT alone. وَتَوَكَّلْ alayhi, And you should rely and trust in Allah SWT alone. وَمَا رَبُّكَ بِغَافِلٍ أَمَّا تَعْمُنُونَ And know that indeed your Rabb is not unaware in the slightest from each and every single thing that you do. Alright? So here again Allah SWT from verses 120 said, and explain to the Prophet why it is that he had mentioned all of these so that Prophet's heart would be strengthened and soothed and so that the believers would learn the lessons and reminders and counsels and admonishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to offer. Alright, we're going to only take a two minute break today and that'll be a break for you from Quran. I'm going to make two, three minutes of announcements and then we're going to continue. Announcement number one. Is it right now I'm going to skip Surah Yusuf which is Surah number 12 and I'm going to go straight to Surah number 13. Surah Ra'ad. Why is that? Because tomorrow, tomorrow Sunday, tomorrow Sunday, from 2 to 5 p.m., we're going to spend the whole three hours on Surah Yusuf. Right, so that is part of our Dura Tafsir, but I made it a separate event for people who may not be able to come every day, and also a separate event for those of you who cannot necessarily maybe invite your families and friends to a month-long series, but you may be able to convince them to come to a one-day event. And specifically, I myself was taught through Yusuf by my Shaykh and Lusaka Zambia last year in Ramadan, in Itikaf, in the Masjid. And the way he taught it was in a particular way that is addressed to the youth and college, university age, young professional youth of this Ummah. So we're going to be giving a special session tomorrow, three hours on Surah Yusuf, that is dedicated and focused, not in academic tafsir, but in what we call Islahi tafsir, that highlighting the lessons that Surah Yusuf can have for the youth of this Ummah. So therefore, any and all of you have friends, I would say any, you know, ages 15. For me, youth is 15 to 35. Right? Of course, for those who are above 35, for them, youth is still going on. I'm also above 35. Right? Okay? But means that you make a special effort to try to get all the people you know, men and women, right, to come to that. So that is a special event tomorrow. That is for Yusuf. Part of our Dura Tafsir, but also single day special event, Sunday from 2 to 5 tomorrow. On Monday, day after tomorrow, there will actually not be, uh, you know, we will not actually have this session, but instead at 3 o'clock, my own teacher, Sheikh Ustaz, Hazrat uh, Sheikh Zulfikar Ahmed Saab is going to come and give you a talk, right? And therefore, uh, better that you uh, all see and learn, and so we would want all of you to come for that. Uh, it's an opportunity, and really, uh, if anything, if there's any benefit in any one of you being attached in any way to me, is that I can connect you to the real ulama and awliya of this ummah. Alright? So we, and that's a, that's a separate event also Monday. That's a one day event, so you can invite then people of all ages, uh, for that, uh, both genders, and we are expecting and we're inshallah ta'ala trying to prepare as well for a turnout, uh, in that. And he will generally be speaking to you on some islahi topic, uh, that's a month. Monday. On Thursday, 
On Thursday, we are going to end this year's series of Dorat Tafsir. Inshallah, we will complete the first half of the Qur'an al-Karim with you. And again, we've made that a one-day event because that we're going to do Surah Kahf, Surah number 18. And again, that is something that we're going to do in a way that highlights certain lessons. Uh, and some of you have taught that before also. We're going to do that in a way that highlights certain lessons for the youth. So that's another one-day event that you can invite people to as well. And then we will do the Khatam. We'll make a dua. Now, it won't be dua khatam in Qur'an because we wouldn't actually have finished the entire Qur'an al-Karim. But it will be the ikhtitami dua of this year's Ramadan tafsir program for the men. However, for the women, starting immediately afterwards on Friday, my wife, because I'm actually going somewhere to sit in the Kaaf, my wife is going to complete their other 15 paras in the remaining 12-15 days of Ramadan. So then, And then they, that will last until the 29th of Ramadan. So... You guys are done, right, on Thursday. But the women should keep coming, inshallah, and they can have the honor and barakah of completing the tafsir of Qur'an al-Karim in entirety in the month of Ramadan. And then they will have their own then actual khatam quran dua on the 29th of Ramadan, inshallah. And I will either complete this with you either when I come back in December or next year in Ramadan. I've not decided yet. But, you know, and I don't know, by the way, if you boys have been giving the sign-up sheets to the men, I think you should start doing that from tomorrow. Tomorrow you should definitely do it. And from tomorrow every day you should give it. You should just sign up that sheet once and we will pass around a sign-up sheet for both the men and the women. And so we get all your information so that we can contact you via email or SMS, right? To let you know when, inshallah, whether it's in December or it could even be in March or many possible. Allah Ta'ala accept it. Give us tawfiq to complete it with you, inshallah. Alright, so these were all the announcements we had for you. So very, just going through it again quickly. Tomorrow, 2 to 5 Surah Yusuf. Monday, uh, spiritually uplifting talk at 3 p.m. by my own sheikh. Thursday, 2 to 5 Surah Kahaf. And a concluding dua for this program. And for the women, they will continue after Thursday, inshallah, and complete the entire Qur'an al-Kareem and have their concluding dua on the 29th of Ramadan. Alright, that was your break. Now we start surah number 13. So I'm skipping a little bit. Surah 12. Again, surah 12 we're going to do tomorrow. Alright. Surah number 13. Surah Ra'ad. Ra'ad means thunder. Some do feel that it means lightning, but you know, rather, I think everybody would, you will see this is done. This surah was revealed in Makkah And again, it's talking about the basic articles of Iman and the basic articles of faith. Alright, one of the signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's going to talk about the signs of the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and one of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power that is going to be mentioned in verse 13 is thunder, and therefore the surah is named after that. And what you're going to see here, um, but the thunder does its own zikr as well. Let's just put it that way, and then you'll see when we do it, inshallah, that the thunder is going to be doing its own zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So this is Makki Surah, it has 43 ayat, inshallah. Alright. Just skip Surah Yusuf. Allah billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, bismillah ar-rahman ar-rahim. Alif laam mim ra, tilka ayatun kitabi. وَالَّذِي أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ الْحَقُّ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَلِفْ لَا مِيمْ رَا 
Now again, these are the huruf al-muqattaat. We've discussed that before. And again, you're seeing now another example where Allah Ta'ala is joined in the same ayah in which there are huruf al-muqattaat. Whereas earlier, like in Surah Baqarah, Alif Lamim was an ayah in of itself. Here Allah Ta'ala is adding some additional information. I mean, adding some words to this ayah. And what is that? The tilka ayatul kitab. That indeed, these are the verses of the book of Revelation. And again, ayat also, some, always, also, almost always, also simultaneously means signs. So these are the signs of the book of scriptural revelation. And know that what all that your Rabb has sent down to you, Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is haq, is absolute truth. Walakinna, however, akthara nasi, the vast majority of humanity, la yu'minun, most people do not believe. Most people do not believe, most people will not believe. Alright. Allah الذي رفع السماوات بغير أمد ترونها. So this is the first sign. What is Allah Subhanahu saying? That Allah Subhanahu tells that being who raised up samawat. Now here samawat, I've up to now been translating it to is all the realms that lie above. Samawat can also be translated all the canopies that lie above. So all the skies that lie above. You can view this as the sky. There are also different levels of the atmosphere. If you study that, I've forgotten that now. Troposphere and stratosphere. And there are levels, there are tabqat of the atmosphere. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa raised all of that. بِغَيْرِ amadan means without any pillar. Without any pillar. تَرَوْنَهَا Without any pillar that you see. Without any visible supports. So this itself is being mentioned as a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Okay. In other words, what... What people used to say simply, what keeps the sky from falling to the ground? What today a person might say, what, what keeps the atmosphere from collapsing and falling to the ground? But that's about all. You can just refine it a little bit more. The question still remains, right? The question still remains. All right. Okay, this is something I've explained to you before, right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established himself on his arsh, which means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala positioned himself in this, in the dominion after he created, and then he made, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned to the task of um, sovereignty and dominion and running and controlling and managing the affairs of all of this creation. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subjugated, right? Uh, subjugated or subjected the sun and the moon. What does it mean that the sun and moon were appointed in fixed orbits which they cannot leave? They were subjugated to that. Each and every one of them is made to pursue, is pursuing a particular course for a particular period of time. Right? So the orbits that have particular time periods in them. Yudabbirul Amra. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has planned out all of this. Mm. يُفَسِّلُ الْآيَاتِ لَأَلَّكُمْ بِلِقَاءِ رَبِّكُمْ تُوْكِنُونَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes clear all of His revelations so that you may have yaqeen, so that you may be certain بِلِقَاءِ رَبِّكُمْ about the meeting with your Rabb. And this is a new way Allah is explaining it. Not about the existence of Allah, but the fact that we're going to meet Him. And the way Allah is addressing you, man, is your Rabb. That all of this has been done so that you may be certain about the meeting with him. You may know indeed that you're going to meet him. Next time. That Allah Subhanahu is that same being who has spread the earth, right? Who spread out. 
has spread out, laid flat the earth. وَجَعَلَ فِيهَا رَوَاسِيَ وَأَنْهَارَ And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed رَوَاسِيَ means firm mountains, firmament mountains upon it. And وَأَنْهَارَ And Allah ta'ala has placed all types of rivers and streams on it. وَمِنْ كُلِّ الثَّمَرَاتِ And from each and every single type of fruit, جَعَلَ فِيهَا زَوْجَيْنِ اثْنَيْنِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made two of every kind of fruit. Has made two of every kind of fruit. Another sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يُفْشِلْ لَيْلَ النَّهَارَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the night cover the sky. Literally it means like Allah ta'ala draws the veil of the night over the sky. نَهَارَ is day. It means Allah ta'ala draws the veil of the night over the day, Allah Ta'ala veils the day with night. It means Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala covers the whiteness of the day with the blackness of the night. And all of these things uh, are what? Inna fi ayatin. That indeed in all of this are signs. The yatafakkarun For such a community, for such people who can reflect and ponder on these signs. وَفِي ardi kita'um mutajawiratun. وَجَنَّاتٌ مِّنْ أَعْنَابٍ وَزَرْءٌ وَنَّخِيلٌ سِنْوَانٌ وَغَيْرُ سِنْوَانٌ And Allah Taala says, Then also next set of signs are there in the land, وَفِي الْأَرْضِ In the land and the earth. There are plots or tracts of land. Kit'un means pieces or plots of land. Mutajawirat that are neighboring, next adjoining, next to one another. And جَنَّاتٌ مِّنْ أَعْنَابٍ And so then there are orchards of grapes. You can also call it gardens of vines if you want to take atnab more metaphor, more generally, not just for grape, but vineyards. Wazarun and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made crops, right? Plantations of crops. Literally it can mean cornfields, but it also means plantations of crops. Wanakhilun sinwanu wagiru sinwan. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made nakhil, you would all know this from nakhla, right? Palm mm, palm trees. So palm tree groves, right? Palm tree groves, sinwan means they're clustered in groves. وَغَيْرٌ sinwan And sometimes they're not in clusters and groves. You see, The one solitary palm tree. So Allah has made palm trees. Sometimes they're in groves and clusters. That means sinwan. And sometimes غَيْرُ sinwan, And sometimes they're alone. Tanha, right? Not in a grove and cluster. Now how is he translated sinwan for you? Twin trunks. No, no. Sinwan, uh, but maybe because he's looking at his tasnia, but it means that they are, uh, okay, that could be true as well. That okay, maybe there's palm trees which have split trunks, and then there are palm trees that have the solitary trunks. Wayuska bima in wahid, and all of this, all of these things are yuska, are given water, are irrigated, bima in wahid from one single water. So this is itself a sign for us on that from water, so many different types of plants and vegetation is allowed to grow. From one source of life, water, all such a wide variety of things are being made to grow. وَنُفَصِّلُوا بَعْضَهَا عَلَى بَعْضٍ فِي الْأُكُلِ And that what we have done is we have in terms of edibles, ukul, we have made some of them better than others. 
right? We have nufadzilu ba'daha on the ba'dhan. We have preferred or made better some than others. In terms of edibles, means some things you eat, some things you don't eat. Some are going to be more tasty, some are going to be less tasty. Indeed, in all of this, there are signs for people of understanding, people who have sense, people who have reason. All right. What is one sign Allah SWT is mentioning here? Right? One sign that if you reflect on this as a person is supposed to reflect that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can cause all of these things to grow from the earth, then it's not so far-fetched that Allah ta'ala can raise me up from the earth. Right? So one sign a person is supposed to take from this is that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created all of this and has caused all of this to grow forth from the earth, then certainly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can resurrect me from the earth, bring me to life once again, create me once again in front of Him on the Day of Judgment. Another thing some people here try, I mean some sort of you know modern critics of Islam, they try to say that this is quote-unquote unscientific. And what is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Maddal arda. Now madda means spread out and lay flat. This is not, this is their own western scientific debates that originally thought the earth was flat and then they realized the earth was round. This is not Allah ta'ala saying in Quran the earth is flat. By spreading out the earth does not in any way go against the fact that earth is a sphere. For example, if you were, you know, if I was to take, I don't know, what, what example gave If I was to take, well, that didn't want to give you that example. Let me give another example. If I had to take a hat, I thought of an example, but I can't give that to you. If I was to take a hat, right, and I was to put it on the skull of Waji, right, and I could spread it all around him. So it covers, let's say winter, right? So it covers his ears. That would also be the same verb here, used in Arabic. So to spread it out doesn't denote necessarily that the shape has to be flat. Or you can give you an example. Let's say you were taking, you had a basketball and you took, uh, I don't know, you know, the cap that swimmers use and you tried to stretch that out and stretch it out and spread it out so that it covered the whole basketball. The same verb would be used there, madda, right? So here, Allah subhanahu wa when He says He spread out the earth, this is not in any way suggesting that the Qur'an says, right? Uh, these naysayers like the Qur'an says the earth is flat. The Qur'an doesn't say the earth is flat. The Qur'an says the earth has been spread out, right? And the earth is spread out all over the sphere, right? Okay. Or that, what else can we tell you about? Any else, anything you want to comment on over here? Pears from every type of fruit, what does that mean? So it could mean male and female if such a thing exists in fruit. I don't know, right? I don't know enough about fruits to know that. It could mean pears from every fruit. It could mean that different colors, different textures, different sizes. Allahu alam, right? It could also mean that, you know, that everything Allah has mentioned elsewhere in Quran, it hasn't come yet. Allah has created everything in pears, everything in twos. Right? Uh, so fruit would be no different from that. Okay, this issue of the trunk, so we can say is that the date palm trees, some of which remain solitary and some of which branch out from twin trunks and then they can branch out manifold. This is also different ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates. Alright. وَإِن تَعْجَبْ 
And if this amazes you and astonishes you, right? And ta'jib here is again singular. So what does it mean? As if anything can amaze you, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam, right? So the Prophet is amalan. He is practically doing what the first four verses said and he's being amazed and put in wonder by the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? فَعَجَبٌ قَوْلُهُمْ إِذَا كُنَّ تُرَابًا إِنَّ لَفِي خَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ So what should, if, if, if anything, وَإِن تَعْجَبْ If anything amazes you, my beloved Messenger Sallam, then what should amaze you? You should surely be amazed at these people, means the unbelievers asking this question, إِذَا كُنَّ تُرَابًا That indeed what, when we become dust, إِنَّ لَفِي خَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ Will we be created anew? أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ Indeed, these are those people who disbelieve and dis- disbelieve in their Rabb. أُولَٰئِكَ الْأَغْلَالُ فِي أَعْنَاقِهِمْ And they are ones who are wearing أَغْلَال You can say yokes or collars or leashes around their necks. Right? وَأُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ And these are the ones who are going to be the intimate companions of the fire of Jahannam whom فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And they are going to dwell therein forever. وَيَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ And they try to hasten you, they try to hurry you, they ask you to bring on the punishment quickly. قَبْلَ الْحَسَنَةِ Right, before the good. Before the good means the promised rewards of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَكَنْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ And then indeed before them there have been many, many examples. Hmm? Many, many examples. المثلات. Al-Mathulat means many, many examples that have passed before them, many, many things that they could learn from, many incidents of and examples that they could learn from. وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَذُو مَغْفِرَةٍ لِلنَّاسِ Allahu Akbar. Allah SWT is saying in the Quran that indeed your Rabb, indeed your Rabb لَذُو مَغْفِرَةٍ is full of forgiveness لِلنَّاسِ to all of humanity. Allah ظُلْمِهِمْ Despite their wrongdoing. Allah means notwithstanding their wrongdoing, Allah is still willing to forgive them. What does it mean here? It doesn't mean that while doing the wrongdoing. It means that even though they were the greatest, even if a person was the greatest zalim, if they make istighfar to Allah, Allah will still send his mugfar on them. Even if the person was the greatest mushrik, and they want to repent to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will send their maghfirah to them. So their past wrongdoing never stops or closes the door of tawbah, never closes the door of maghfirah of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala for any single member of His humanity. At the same time, if they choose not to avail themselves of His maghfirah, then they should know, وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَشَدِيدُ الْإِقَابِ That at the same time, and indeed, that your Rabb, Nabi Yaqtasam, your Rabb, لَشَدِيدُ الْإِقَابِ He is also extremely severe in His punishment. So they have a choice. They have a choice. Throughout the lifetime they have the opportunity, right? To interact and to believe, to believe and to engage with Al-Ghafoor, Al-Ghafar, Al-Rahman, Al-Rahim. And if they don't choose that in their lifetime and then when they pass away, they will have to deal with that Rabb who is Shadeedul Iqab. وَيَكُولُ الَّذِينَ kafaru And those who disbelieve in, the disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet and they say, Allah unzila alayhi ayatum min rabbihi that why has no miraculous sign been been sent down to him min rabbihi from his rab from his lord innama anta so Allah is telling the prophet some that innama anta indeed you are only and only mundhirun that you remember nadhir mundhirun the same thing that you were but a warner walikullikumin had and remember and earlier each and every community has had their guide 
Each and every community has a guide and it means here that you are just their warner and you are their guide. Alright. When Allah SWT said here that they seek to hasten the evil before the hasana, it means that instead of choosing the hasana that they could have gotten by making istighfar and tawbah, instead they choose mockingly that they tell the Prophet that bring the punishment on. And this was something that we did in about the earlier communities. Many examples of that have passed already in the previous two, three surahs of Qur'an al-Kareem. Here, one nukta that the Mufassirin have mentioned is where Allah SWT said, that each and every community has a guide. So it doesn't say here each and every community has a Nabi. What does that mean? That means that not every generation has a Nabi. Either we, and for example, we are living in generations where there is no Nabi, right? So every overall community in terms of, because it came earlier in Quran, every civilization and culture has been sent at least one Nabi. But not every generation of that civilization or culture has a Nabi. But every single, every single generation of every culture and civilization always had a Hadin, Hadi, but here it's, it's been dropped, Had means had a guide. So that means that even if the, uh, uh, that means that Nabuat is finished, but guides will always remain, and every generation will have a guide. So we also, there will also be people who are guiding to the deen of Islam. They are not anbiya, because they are not bringing revelation and hadith, but there are going to be people who guide others to the deen of Islam, to the teachings of Nabi Akrim, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Alright. Now verse number 8, Allah is going to mention yet another feature of His creation, which is the birth of a human being. Allahu ya'lamu ma tahmilu kullu untha. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what every female bears, right? Wa ma taghidhul arhamu wa ma tazdadu. And literally it means that how much her, how much their wombs will decrease or increase. So you can say how much their wombs will shrink or swell. وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ إِنْدَهُ بِمِقْدَارِ And each and everything has a particular measure, specifically stipulated. Its measure is stipulated in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is alim al-ghaybi wa shahada. He is all-knowing of all of the manners that are unseen and all of the manners that are apparent. Al-Kabirul Muta'al. Allah subhanahu wa al-kabir. Allah subhanahu is great. And it's Al-Muta'al, he is the Most High. There's a new word that you have from Ismail Hussana, Al-Muta'al. Al-Muta'al, so one is Al-Ali, the High and Exalted. Al-Muta'al, the Most High, the Most Exalted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Kabir. As, and so you have Al-Akbar as well. Al-Kabir, the Great. And Al-Muta'al, the Most High, the Most Lofty. Here we will say that sometimes people think that uh, this whole issue of what did we used to call this when we used to teach this? On gender selection. There's an issue in contemporary biomedical ethics called gender selection that sometimes there are certain ways, especially through, uh, you know, test tube baby and certain other ways of implantation or sort of fertilization and then implantation into the mother's womb, right, in which they can engage in gender selection. So is that going, it doesn't go against this verse. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the, the decree, the destiny of what will be born. 
whether that is born through natural fertilization, whether it's born through some type of technique of assisted reproduction, whether that technique of assisted reproduction involves some type of method of gender selection, all of those techniques and methods are also falling inside the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody can invent some technology that goes outside the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? Also, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this issue of the Shrinking and swelling or decreasing and increasing of the womb, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows when each and every, the time when each and every baby will come out, right? So some live, some stay in the womb the full nine months gestation, some are premature, some have to be induced, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all of that as well. Okay. Clearly these are things that, you know, speak to every human being because every human culture and civilization has childbirth. Alright. Then Allah, then, okay, then Allah's next ayah, we are now in verse number 10. سَوَاءٌ مِّنْكُمْ مَنْ أَصَلَّ الْقَوْلَ وَمَنْ جَهَرَ بِهِ That it is equivalent, it makes no difference whatsoever, for that whomsoever amongst you أَصَلَّ الْقَوْلَ That you make, that you speak in whispers, that you speak softly, or you try to speak secretly. وَمَنْ جَهَرَ بِهِ Or you speak aloud, it makes no difference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ هُوَ مُسْتَخْ Fim bin Layli Wasaribum bin Nahar and indeed but, uh, for everything that is it doesn't make a difference whether a person is mustaqfin is hidden is hidden in the night or whether they're walking or they're open or manifest in the day, nothing makes any difference. none of that makes difference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His knowledge and his awareness encompasses all things. Alright? So whether you're hiding under the cover of the night or whether you're walking around in the broad daylight, whether you're speaking softly or secretly or whether you're speaking loudly or boldly, it makes no difference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware and sees everything. Alright, lahu to each and every person, مُعَقِّبَاتٌ مِّن بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِ That for each and every person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is appointed مُعَقِّبَات. These are the angels who are before him who are before him and falling behind him, and they watch over him. Yahfuzunahu min amrillah, they watch over and guard over that person with the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to the wish and command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna Allah la yughayyiru ma bikumin hatta yughayyiru ma bi anfusihim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not change the status or condition of any community until they change the status and condition of their of their own selves. Until they change the status and condition of their own selves. وَإِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمٍ سُوءًا And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides and decrees to befall a nation with some calamity, with some evil, فَلَا مَرَدَّ لَهُ There is nothing and no one and no power that can avert that calamity from them. فَمَا لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهِ مِنْ And they will have no helper, no benefactor, no wali in any way other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and here what it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't change the condition of a nation, it means for worse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't, it meant for worse originally. 
Although generally it also, it's taken this ayah to mean for better as well. But at this point it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not change the condition of a community for the worse until they change what is in themselves. As unless they let their condition deteriorate, only then will Allah ta'ala make that community deteriorate. But the verse had, does have that broader meaning that Allah ta'ala will also not improve the condition of a community until they're able to improve themselves as individuals. And when he intends to afflict harm or evil on a community, then there is no power, no one, no force, no being that can ward it off and avert it from them. And apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have no wal, they have no helper and protector. Now comes, uh, here comes 12 and 13 is going to be this discussion of thunder. Huwa ladheen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being. يُرِيكُمُ الْبَرْكَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows you lightning. خَوْفًا وَتَمَّأًا In order so that He may inspire fear in you. وَتَمَّأًا And so that He may inspire hope in you. وَيُنْشِئُ السَّحَابَ الثِّقَالِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the being who has built, who has insha, who has created and built up the clouds that are thiqal, that are weighty and heavy with rain. This is also something that we've discussed with you the other day. So this is the dhikr I told you of the thunder. That a ra'ad means the thunder. And what is the thunder doing when the thunder, we call it the thunder clap, right? The clap of thunder, that big sound, that booming sound, it's actually the thunder doing what? The tisbih and hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيُسَبِّهُ الرَّعْدُ And that thunder is actually glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala بِهَمْدِهِ with His praises. وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ مِنْ خِيفَتِهِ As do the angels. And the angels are also doing the same thing. مِنْ خِيفَتِهِ Out of their awe and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيُرْسِلُ الصَّوَائِكَ And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends bolts of lightning. فَيُسِيبُ بِهَا مَنْ يَشَاءُ and he makes them strike whomsoever he wills. وَهُمْ يُجَادِلُونَ فِي اللَّهِ And yet they still are disputing and regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ شَدِيدُ الْمِحَالِ And know that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is شَدِيدُ الْمِحَالِ It means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fiercely, fiercely mighty, fiercely powerful, has mighty, the things that he does are extremely mighty. Let's see, how does he have it for you? شَدِيدُ الْمِحَالِ Stern in his plan. So Allah Ta'ala is extremely stern, fiercely mighty, powerful in the things that he does, in his plans and in his actions. Alright. So if it's this verse, verse number 13, due to which the whole surah has been revealed. Why is that? So the case of Revelation, Imam Tirmidhi Rimullah reports a hadith from Sayyidina Abdullah bin Basran that a Jew once came to the Prophet and asked him, Ya Abu Qasim. This was one of the, this was the name of the Prophet Abu Qasim. Tell us what is Ra'ad, right? What is Ra'ad? So this was a test because apparently in the Jewish scriptures there was some mention of Ra'ad. So <coughs> Sayyidina Rasulullah responded that Ra'ad is an angel of Allah SWT who, and it's the name of that angel who has been appointed to the clouds. And he has been given an instrument by which he pulls the clouds wherever Allah SWT orders so then the Jew asked him, the Prophet ﷺ, that what are the sounds that are made when the instrument of Ra'ad is being used? So then Rabbi Akim mentioned that though that is the sound of the thunder. 
Right, that is the sound of the thunder. So Ra'ad is the thunder itself, and can also be the angel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has appointed over the clouds and over lightning and over thunder. Lahu da'watul haqq. And what does this mean? That the only true prayer, the only true dua is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who make dua or call upon any being other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will not have any, there will be no response at all. No answer whatsoever, no one will respond to their du'as or their call. No more than any more than a person who who reaches out his palms towards the water so that so that it may reach his mouth. Whereas it will never reach, right? <coughs> so what does this mean? This metaphor here, let me explain more idiomatic English. Idiomatic English says that no more the water will reach the mouth of the person who is simply reaching out for it. What does it mean? So if there is a pool of water, just by you reaching your hand out for that water, doesn't mean the water will reach your mouth. You'll have to take it to your mouth. There'll have to be a ijabah, there'll have to be a second movement. So just like that, when these people are making dua to Allah, they're reaching out. They're getting no response because there is no other God. They're getting no response any more than if a person was only not reach out and draw the water back to them, but was just to reach out to water. If they were just to reach out to the water, the water wouldn't enter their mouth. Any, so just like that, when these people call on their false gods, they receive no response, no more than the person who merely re- extends his hand towards water, does the water reach his mouth. Okay? Now you got it? Alright. وَمَا دُعَاءَ إِلَّا فِي ذلال. And indeed, all of the prayers and calls of the disbelievers amount to nothing. They are all fi ذلال. They are all astray. They are all wasted. They are all in vain. وَلِلَّهِ يَسْجُدُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Oh, I was normally I try not to recite this for you. Okay, you're all gonna have to make sajda. All right, I might as well finish it then. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, each and every single thing that is in all the realms that lie above and the firmaments and the skies and the heavens, and each and every single thing that is on this earth, all of them make sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether they do so willingly, that's taw'an, wakarhan, or they do so unwillingly. And even the shadows of everything, the laws of glory, even the shadows of every single thing, do sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bil in the mornings, wal asal in the early evenings. So what does this have to do? Okay, and, and let me make it clear for some of you men, but last time I try, I, I made a mistake. This, I mean, well, I try not to read these verses in Arabic for you because I don't worry that some of you may not make the sajda. So maybe we will just have to, when all the men, when you go for asr, before you make asr, you can just make sajda. Because sajda should be made towards the qibla, alright? And the women, you should make sajda. This is called sajda tilawat. And it's simply one sajda in which you say Subhana Rabbi Lada three times, that's it. Okay? And it's wajib. It's required, it's not optional. It's required to do whenever you read or rec- when you recite or you listen to a live recitation of an ayat of sajda. If you listen to it on tape, CD, internet, you don't have to do sajda. There's a difference of opinion of ulama if it's a live transmission. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't want to get into that. Right? 
I just say the safer thing is to just do it in that case as well. Safer situation is why not, right? Sajda ki hai, right? And the reason, by the way, is that a person is supposed to be moved, so moved by the meaning of this ayah, that they're supposed to want to make sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they hear that every single thing in the samawat and the ard do sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so they should feel that I myself, I'm also one of the manfis, I'm also one of those things that is in the samawat and the ard, and I also want to make sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what does this mean? Now, the more modernist translators, they like to translate as everything submits, because otherwise they'll have to do with the empiricist accusation that, well, you know, not everything is, the cushion is not physically prostrating, right? So, yes, certainly, physically, in terms of physical sajda, so for example, every tree does not physically bow down, right? But, what it, do, but it does mean that every single thing prostrates to Allah subhanahu wa own way. Some of the Mufassirin have said that in course of making this earth rotate, right? that when it's rotating, then everything is making a sajda in one sense or the other, although due to gravity it may seem to us like it's still standing upright and erect, but given that the surface of the earth is curved and the earth is rotating, then for example, if I was to take a basketball again and put five action figures on it, and turn it, so you would see that the one that is standing, and when I turn it, that one is doing now raku, and then when I put him, he's now doing sajda, right? So in that sense, everything is doing sajda, because Allah has made this world in such a way. This issue of shadows, this is definitely there. And one of the most fascinating things about astronomy, is that for every point in the world, it's not khas with Makkah Makarma, but for every point in the world, between your point and that point, there's a particular time in which the shadow points towards the Qibla. In fact, I have those timetables upstairs, and if you want, you can find them in Asin al-Fatawa, volume 2, that forever, for Lahore also. For Lahore, we can give you the time, and every day of the year, there's one time, there are two times, in the winter and the summer, the time changes. The first time, the shadow of everything is pointing directly towards the Kaaba, and in the second time, the shadow of everything is pointing directly away from the Kaaba. And this is also one of the classical ways that they used to, find the Qibla in Masajid. And we've personally done this mashik in Karachi and finding there are three, four different ways actually to find the Qibla, including compass and GPS and several two other things. So we were trained actually in the Mufti course actually to do one of my, just one of my teacher's favorite things. So we would practically go and they were building a new masjid. The whole class would go and some of us would have compass, some of us had other instruments, others would have the timetables, others would have this certain type of I even forget what you call it, that particular type of string with the weight on the bottom, waiting for that time when the shadow, and then everybody would, we'd see if all the lines would tally up, all the different methods, if they led to the same thing. But a funny, and you know, there's all this thing, the magnetic declination, and, oh, you remember. <laughs> but uh, it's an amazing thing, and every, and I want to say it's true for every point in the world, but it's also true for Makkah that there comes two days in the year. Where at that moment, there are two times where everything, so one time where everything, what happens is in the northern hemisphere, one of the days in the northern hemisphere, everything will be pointing towards, the shadow of everything on earth will be pointing towards Makkah Makarama. And at that same time in the southern hemisphere, the shadow of everything will be pointing away from Makkah Makarama. And then there'll come another day in the year that everything in the southern hemisphere, shadow will be pointing towards Makkah Makarama. And in the northern hemisphere, everything will be pointing away. Now I tell you honestly, this is true for every point on earth. Every single latitude, longitude point on earth, there's one day in the year where the shadow of everything points to it. At the same time, 
Whereas I was telling you, I can take you out the daily time of Lahore, that's going to be the different from the daily time of Istanbul. But for every point, this is one time. So when I learned this, I learned this on the Mufti course, right? Because my teacher's teacher was a master of astronomy, what we call Ilm al-Falqiyat. was a master of astronomy and spherical trigonometry. And then I ended up having to teach a lot of the kids because a lot of the other students hadn't done so much math, right? So I was sitting there, we were doing geometry, and then trigonometry, and then they're all scientific calculators. But you better jeeb, and I just remembered it now, telling you, and it shows you how ghafal insan was. For a number of years, I used to keep track of that because I thought this was amazing. And it was the feeling of this ayah that that moment on that day when everything, at least in one hemisphere, is doing sajda, so I should also make sajda. It's a very difficult thing. Just now, now I remember. I've even forgotten that I used to make the sajda. I used to keep track of that year. So here maybe we'll add it to Imran's list of things that he collects for you. Right? This is our Imran Chaudhry here. Right? PhD. Student, inshallah. So, uh, you can find that day and time out. Balki mujhe ab shock ho gaya hai. Meshad aadrat nakal kar aapko kal batado at least that kuch nakal kar aapko dikhata hoon kal. Aapke liye bhi ek cheez nakali thi wo mene nahi nakali bhi tak. I need to keep a list of things. Alright, so I wanted you to know, so that actually, this second part of this ayah, this is why this came, that the shadows of everything, that's understood now by modern astronomy. There's no way Sayyidina Rasulullah could have understood the science behind this. So this is another one of those ayat that actually are scientific hujiyat of Qur'an al-Karim. There's, and because, you see, if Qur'an is not true, then it means the Prophet made it up himself. There's no way any human could have made this up. The scientific knowledge at that time did not encompass this fact that the shadow of everything, right, does it points towards Makkah Mukarrama, and that's the notion of a sajda, right? That's the notion of a person's sajda. All right. Kulman Rabbu Samawati will say to them, my beloved messenger, who indeed, who is the Rabb of all of the heavens and the earth? Kulillah, say to them, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Kul and say to them. That so then do you take as a benefactor and a patron, as a friend, others other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? La anfusihim. And those are such, the people, those beings or idols that you're taking as awliya instead of Allah, they don't even have any power or authority, even their own selves. They don't even have the ability to help their own selves, nor can they even harm their own selves. That is indeed the person who sees equal to the person who is blind. Or is, or amhal tastawil dhulamatu wa nur. This we did this for you before as well. Our darkness is equal in tantamount to light. Um, and I explained to you why dhulamatu was plural and nur was singular. Amja'alu lillahi shuraka'a khalaku ka khalkihi. Have they made partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whom Allah ta'ala has created them? Allah ta'ala himself has created all of those things, right? No, they've ascribed partners to Allah subhanahu wa that they, that create like the, the Allah subhanahu wa creation, alayhim, and this has caused them, um, this put them in a tashabu, this caused a confusion in them, right? So when they saw something was creating, they thought that, okay, that's also a khalik, maybe that is also a god, right? And Allah subhanahu wa is saying, no, khaliku kulli shay'in. Right? Kulillahu khaliku kulli shay'in. Say to them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of every single thing. 
That's the difference between Allah Ta'ala's creative power and somebody else's creative power. So somebody may be a woodsman, he may create a table, a desk. It doesn't make him a khalik. And he's not al-khalik. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creator in the sense that he has created each and every single thing. Okay, this is a good way to phrase this in English. Have the partners that they assign to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have they created anything that is like his creation? So that their creation is indistinguishable from his? Say to them, the beloved Messenger, some that know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of all things. Al-Kahar, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, the one singular, this is the first time you've had this as well, Al-Wahid. The one singular being, the one singular Allah. The only, the only being that doesn't have a pair, doesn't have an equal, doesn't have a rival. Al-Kahar. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-compelling. He can compel and force every single thing to do what He wishes it to do. Okay, one other thing that, well, one other thing I, when I was doing the sajda part, so that everything falls under sajda, the shadows, what we missed was the middle part, the willingly or not willingly. So what does it mean? So willingly we can understand, right, that uh, there are two meanings of this. When it pertained to human beings, it was referring to initially the munafikin. That the munafikin were doing sajda unwillingly, unlovingly, un- not of their own real joy, of their own will, but not of their own joy. Whereas willingly referred to the Sahaba Ikram who were doing so lovingly. Second meaning this has to do is in terms of other creation, non-human creation, that there is some that fall into sajda on their own. And Allah Ta'ala has mentioned this, this taw'an makarhan, in another, it's going to come later in the Quran, that Allah Ta'ala commanded, right, all of the, the, the mountains and the earth to obey Him, and the skies and the mountains and earth to obey Him. I did it for you once in a beyond that I remember. Here, unwillingly means that they did so out of compulsion. This is why Allah says Al-Kahar. Allah Ta'ala compels, He forces. So that may mean, for example, that the moon may not want to orbit the earth. Allah Ta'ala has forced it to orbit the earth. Right? It may mean that the earth may not want to orbit the sun, but Allah Ta'ala has forced it to orbit the sun. So it means for non-human creatures, it means that they're doing so because Allah Ta'ala has compelled them to do so. Right? Out of compulsion. Okay, that was one thing that we left and we didn't explain to you here. This whole of seeing and blind and darkness and light, that's just a metaphor for kufr and iman, right? Obviously iman are the ones who see, are in light, and the unbelievers are those who are blind and who are also fumbling around in the dark. Okay. Verse number 17. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down rain and water down on you from the sky. And that water, what does it does? It fills the valleys and the riverbeds and it causes them even to flow according to their measure and their capacity. The flowing waters, these rivers and their streams, they carry on their surface a layer of froth. So Allah sponsor is talking about the froth or the foam that comes on the surface of rivers and streams. Just like the froth on the people who met metals in the fire to make ornaments and tools. So what it means that when the blacksmith this was also the, this was another thing that spoke to that community that when the blacksmith used to work with metals and cast into fire different metals whether they were doing it to make jewelry to make ornaments or they were doing it to make other items of worth or benefits such as tools right apparently and this is not something that I know about but apparently some type of froth or foam appears at that moment as well thus does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yasrifullahu al-haqq wal batil thus does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make clear uh, and illustrate and cite examples of what is haq and what is batil, what is true and what is false. Then what happens? 
So then apparently then the froth disappears in both of these cases. But uh, what is a benefit to the human being remains behind. But what is benefit to the human being remains behind. That's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coins illustrations and examples. Right? كَذَلَكَ يَذْرِبَ اللَّهُ الْأَمْثَالِ Thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coin examples and make illustrations and cite parables and metaphors and similes for a human being. Alright. لِلَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ الْحُسْنَى That Jannat is indeed for those people, Jannat is going to be for those people who respond to their Rabb, who respond to the call of their Rabb. And they will be the best rewards, Al-Husna will be for them. And however, in those people, وَالَّذِينَ لَمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا لَهُ And those who don't respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَنَّ لَهُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا That even in the like, if, even if they possessed each and every single thing that the earth possessed, if they had all of the earth's contents, وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ And they had the like thereof, so they had all of the earth's contents twice over, and they were to give that and offer that up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. bihi. They were to give it as a ransom to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I mean to give it away in charity, hoping to compensate for the disbelief and disobedience they did on earth. Ulaika lahum su'ul hasab. That that will not be, that will not benefit them in any way. So terrible will be, so intensely tormentous and torturous will be their hisab. Wamawahum jahannam. And their final abode shall be jahannam. Wabit salmihad. And indeed that is the worst abode, an evil abode to reside therein. أَفَمَنْ يَعْلَمْ أَنَّمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ الْحَقِّ And indeed that person who knows that whatever is revealed to you from your Rabb is the truth. كَمَنْ هُوَ أَعْمَى Can he ever be equivalent to that person who is Atma, who is blind to the fact that it is the truth? إِنَّمَا يَتَذَكَّرُوا أُولُ الْأَلْبَابِ Indeed only and only in أُولُ الْأَلْبَابِ are the ones who take heed and nourishment and counsel and advice from what has been revealed to you. So Ulul Bab, I explained to you before that Lub refers to the reasoning of the heart. Lub refers to the intellect of the heart. Alladhina yufuna bi'ahdillahi. And these are those people who are true to the pledge that they have taken in the covenant they have taken with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. yankuduna al-mithaq. And they do not violate and breach and break in any way the covenants that they make. وَالَّذِينَ يَسِلُونَ مَا أَمَلَ اللَّهُ بِهِ And those, to who, those who join with what, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded, أَن يُسَلَى وَيَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ وَيَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ So they join that which Allah ta'ala has commanded that it be joined. They fear their Rabb and they dread a woeful reckoning. Right? They dread, they, they have fear, يَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ They fear that terrible, tormentous reckoning. Okay. sabaru and those who have sabr. So now we're in verse twenty-two, verse twenty-two. Those who have sabr, who remain steadfast and have fortitude. Why? because they are steadfast in seeking the pleasure of their Rabb. Waqamuslat and regular Sabbath to prayer. One faku and they spend from that which Allah subhanahu from what we have bestowed upon them. Sidram wa and they spend that secretly, they give it both secretly and openly. And what do they do thereby? They repel their evil deeds by doing good ones. 
These are the ones who like Allahum Uqbaldar. These are the ones who will have the reward of the true home, the true hereafter. They will have the virtuous reward of the true hereafter. And what is that? Jannatu Adnin. They will have wonderful eternal gardens. Yadkhulunaha into which they will enter. And those of their forefathers and ancestors who were saleh, who were righteous, will also enter those gardens along with them. And their spouses, and their children and offspring. And the angels will, shall come to them from each and every gate. Alright. So this is referring to them that a person will enter Jannah. And this Salaha, Man Salaha replies to all of this. So Man Salaha Min Aba'ihim, Wa Man Salaha Min Azwajihim, Wa Man Salaha Min Dhuriyatihim. Right? That those who are righteous and pious from their forefathers, the righteous and pious from their spouses, and the righteous and pious from their children, descendants, offspring, progeny, all of them will enter into Jannah. And then the angels will keep entering to them from all doors. And what will the angels say? Salamun alaykum bima sabartum. That may greetings of peace be upon you because of the steadfastness and fortitude that you displayed, that you remained firm on deen. Fanema ukbadar. And indeed, what an excellent, wonderful, blissful outcome this is of yours, this dar, this home and abode of yours in the akhirat of Jannah. Waladina yankuduna ahdullahi mim ba'di mithakihi. And the who break Allah SWT's wa covenant after having pledged it to him. وَيَقْتَعُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ And they break, the, they, break what, they break what Allah SWT has commanded. They break apart, they sever what Allah Taala commanded to be joined. وَيَفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ This is by the way, some of us say that this notion of joining is referring to family relations. So they join what Allah commanded to be joined. That means they mend and family relations are on good terms. And here, what do they do? يَقْتَعُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ They sever and they break and they cut off what Allah Ta'ala had commanded. A yusala that should be joined. In the, right? And what else do they do? وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ They spread corruption on this earth. أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمَ اللَّعْنَةُ That such people deserve to be outcast and rejected and cast outside the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَهُمْ سُوءُ الدَّارِ And they will have the worst of the dreadful home. It means they will have a terrible outcome in the Akhirah. Allahu yabsatul rizq liman yasha and Allah subhanahu gives abundantly his risk expands his risk upon whom for whomsoever he wills wa yaqdir and he has set it wa yaqdir and he will give it in a apportioned amount to whomsoever he wills yabsatul rizq liman yasha and it means wa yaqdir rizq liman yasha he gives it expansively to whomsoever he wills and he gives it sparingly or in a portion amounts to whomsoever he wills. وَفَرُهُ بِالْحَيَاةِ dunya. Though they may rejoice about and revel and rejoice in the life of this world. وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا مَتَاعٌ And what is the life of this world compared to the Akhirah? إِلَّا مَتَاعٌ Just a fleeting comfort, a paltry sum. Alright. The pledge here that is being referred to is the same pledge that we did in Surah Araf, verse 172, that Allah Ta'ala asked all humanity, Allah Subhanahu am I not your Rabb? So some people will be true to that pledge and they will live their life as if indeed Allah Ta'ala is their Rabb. And others will not be true to that pledge and they will live their life as if they have no Rabb or as if Allah Subhanahu is not their Rabb or as if their nafs is Rabb. 
Join what Allah has commanded to join. One thing I give you is that a family ties. A second is also the ties of mu'mineen. That indeed the believers are but brethren to one another So they maintain the ties of brethren and brotherhood towards one another When the people go to Jannah And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The angels go to them and say Salaamu alaykum bima sabartum So this is a sign as well That the path to Jannah requires sabr So it's not going to be an easy path so those who try to create ease in deen and trying to suggest that you will enter Jannah through ease, that's not what the Quran cream is saying. Quran cream is saying is that people attain Jannah, the angels will tell that person and congratulate that person for attaining Jannah due to their sabr. They were steadfast, their fortitude in the face of hardship, calamity, affliction, their patience and endurance. So this is why it's very important to have this attribute of sabr without sabr and himma. That's why I'm saying sabr here is, doesn't mean patience, it means more like fortitude and himma and steadfastness. So that is also, uh, that is something that is, is going to be the means by which a person gets to, this is why Nabi Akram Salaam, we did this earlier in Surah Baqarah verse 153, that, that you believe you should seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with sabr, with fortitude and endurance and also with salah. Other attributes I'll mention here is that they, what is the attributes of the people of Jannah? Next attribute is that they establish the Salah regularly. We've commented that a lot, that they spend secretly and openly from the wealth that Allah Ta'ala has given them. This again is both zakat and sadqah, that they expel evil with good. Right? Again, we've done this, they fight injustice and transgressors and aggression. So, lastly, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mentions, that it's foolish to rejoice in the pleasures of this world and at the expense of the pleasures of the Akhirah because what is this world but a fleeting temporary abode compared to the everlasting Akhirah? Alright, we'll have to stop over here because we run out of time. So inshallah next time, or tomorrow, we're doing Surah Yusuf. And then when we meet again inshallah on... And then Monday is the talks. When we meet on Tuesday, then we resume over here from Surah number 13. Verse number 27. Ya Allah, Ya Bikrim, we ask that you enable each and every one of us to receive the mo'idha, the dhikra, all of the advice and learn the lessons that you wish us to learn from all of these stories of the previous anbiya and from all of the stories of the previous civilizations that you have put for us in Qur'an al-Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask that you save us from falling into any of their habits, from having any of their traits. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you purge us from their adai, purge us from anything that even remotely resembles them. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you bestow upon us the sifat al-mu'minana that you've mentioned in Qur'an al-Kareem the adaba and akhlaq of Sayyidina Rasulullah Nabi al-Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Ya Allah we ask that you put in us the same attributes that you put in Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam make each and every one of us halim make each and every one of us awah make each and every one of us munib Ya Allah we need to increase in our hilm and forbearance we want to become more tender and soft hearted and Ya Allah we want to be devotedly turning ourselves to you we want to be your loyal love devoted servants and worshipful slaves Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah surely if your Rahmah and your 
Maghfira is always there even for the mushrikeen and kuffar. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are amongst the mu'mineen. We are turning to you in this day of the fast of Ramadan. That Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive us for all of our sins. We ask that you enable us to make tawbah to you. We ask that you guide us to a had. We ask that you enable us to make tawbah with such a had so that they may guide us on how to be true in our tawbah to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are sick and tired of being disloyal to you. We are ashamed and embarrassed of how untrue we have been to you. Ya Allah, we wish to be your true and sincere and loyal and loving ibad. Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept this niyyah from us. Ya Allah, let us be as true to each and every one of your commands as we are true to the fast on the days that we fast. Ya Allah, be as sincere in each and every aspect of deen as we are trying to offer each and every fast for you and you alone, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask that you accept all of our fasts in this Ramadan, accept all of our ibadat in this month of Ramadan, Ramadan. Make this month a month of change for us. Make this month a month of improvement for us. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we wish to change dramatically in this month of Ramadan. We want to have a surge in our taqwa, a surge in our ikhlas, a surge in our yaqeen, a surge in our sabr. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we want to rid ourselves from all of the unlawful lust that we have, the unlawful anger that we have, the short-temperedness that we have, the short-sightedness that we have. We want to rid ourselves from the greed and materialism that we have. Ya Allah, we want to rid ourselves from the envy and jealousy that we have. We want to rid ourselves from the pride and arrogance and conceit that we have. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you do our tazkiyah. We ask that you do our tazkiyah. We ask that you do our tarbiyah. We ask that you do our islah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we present ourselves in front of you as the weak and sinning members of this ummah. Ya Allah, we ask that you purify ourselves of our sins. We ask that you guide us firm and fast on this Rat al-Mustaqeem. We ask that you guide us onto this path that will lead us to you, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takambal minna innaka anta samiul alim. Wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabur raheem. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. Bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimeen.